Oi, you lot. You listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 330. On tonight's episode, the Manlings talk to you about the Bretonians. That's right, the human horse lords of the old world. Let's talk about those people. Why talk about the dwarfs? Oh, jeez, why would we bother with them? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage, you tools. For the next two, three hours, thereabouts, I'm going to do my best to keep you informed, entertained, and have a few laughs along the way. Bringing you peasants, noble knights, and a lance formation is back. I'm Dave Whitech, and... Not with me, as always, is Chris Walker. Uh, Chris, this is our fourth show this month. Chris has been a real trooper, finding time, signing in, staying up late, recording with me. And he's just really busy this week. And I have two nights where I have to be in school for freshman orientation and the gym with all the other clubs. So I'm going to be out late a couple of nights, and I'm trying to get this out on the 25th. I'm certain it won't be, but I'm trying. So um, at least getting it recorded so I can edit it and put it out. So it's me here today. Um, We will be having a special fill-in guest host. You guys all know him. He's been on before. Uh, It's Harrison. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be on helping out. We're going to be talking Bretonians today. First, the um, Forces of Fantasy, base core Bretonians, and then the Arcane Journal, fleshing out the Bretonians and doing all sorts of cool stuff like that. But before we do that, we need to thank our sponsors. That includes Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Six Squared Studios, and... Well, that bell got stuck. There we go. Grognards. Ha, ha, ha. Also want to thank our Patreon sponsors, our associate producers, Jake C., James Brown, and Old Man Yeti, our executive producer, Scotty Mill, George Stradone, and Sir Killsteak, and our newest patron, James. No last name. Uh, thank you for becoming part of the 1% who make this show and everything that we do on this show possible. Um, now, because we got a bit of a strange set up this week. I want to jump right in, uh, get our first uh, break, just donezo uh, in just a minute. Uh, I got to just give you guys the last few bits of info on what's coming up. And then uh, I'll be back with Harrison and we will be talking all things Bretonia. Uh, now, real quick before so, don't forget that we do have voicemail and that's one seven five seven gh show 6 That's one seven five seven gh Show six. I think we had one voicemail, um, but I'm going to be recording with Chris again in just a couple of days. Um, so I'm just going to put all of that there so that I can sort of work through and get all of this um, bit of an odd episode together. Yeah, I'm a little flustered without Chris. What do you want? Shut up. Leave me alone. Um, so uh, that's about that. Bob, please note. Oh, um, it is hint time. Hint time. Now, I want to thank the... The several, we got about a dozen or so people who have uh, really helped out, stepped up, and uh, donated to uh, the birthday fundraiser for War Gaming Club. Now, if you wanted to get in on that, just a reminder, uh, you can uh, PayPal friends and family uh, any donation 
to garagehammeralive.com. $10 donations will earn you some uh, Garage Hammer, um, uh, what do you call them, tokens, the combat gauges and the objective markers. Um, if you donated uh, $20, you'd get that, plus three of my uh, undead infantry models from the 1,000 Zomblar age. Um, if you donate 50 or more, you'd get another seven. So you'd get the combat markers and the 10 models. There's going to be other things. There's going to be other things. I'm still talking with the sponsors, hoping to get a few more gifts put out, some single model things just randomly uh, going to go for people who help out. Um, yes, there's going to be some uh, Garage Hammer memorabilia also given out. Um, there's going to be some cool extras. It's not saying all this stuff because I can't. Uh, I, you know, um, I, that's not what this is about, but I do want to let people know there's cool bonus, you know, what kind of things is Dave giving away? Um, cause I've been known to try to do cool, special things. And so here come people guessing the surprise. I'm just going to say right now, I am not giving away an entire new army. <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of cool extra bonuses and cool things given away. People should definitely listen, especially if you donated, listen to episode 332, uh, in fact, if you do donate, please remember to put for episode 332 and then your name and address so you can get your little thank yous. Uh, no full army, you know, uh, giving away $1,000 worth of a new army to people. That's that's kind of crazy. Um, uh, so definitely not a full army, not giving away a full army, complete everything you need army being given away. No pre-painted, redone army being given away. But there are so many cool things. So there's your hint. Not a full army being given away. Disabuse yourselves of that rumor. But there will be all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, bonuses and stuff like that. So I just, like I said, I want to help give something back to the community, not just ask them for something. Um, so I've got little cool prizes and thank yous. And I really appreciate it. You guys have no idea. Um, like getting some collapsible, expandable tables for the kids to fully game on and not have to push desks together and put things to keep them all flat and balanced ah uh, that would be amazing okay but that's neither here nor there i said this was going to be quick and it is it's done donezo we're going to commercial we're coming back harrison will be here we're going to talk bretonians it's going to be wonderful thank you so much for listening january is the old world month so i'm just uh oh i'm so excited about all the things that are coming up but i'm going to take a break i'm going to come back and we are going to have a great time. Just a moment. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Orc Superstore. 
All right, and we're back. And uh, we are here, and as I stated before the break, uh, Chris, who was a trooper and recorded three episodes in less than three weeks, uh, actually had to have a, a life. And uh, in order to keep this going and keep this stuff on time and get the next episode out when we need it, Harrison said he would jump in and step in and be a part of this. Hi, Harrison. Hello. So, uh, Bretonians. I gave Harrison a pick between Bretonians and Tomb Kings since they had the Arcane Journal. Yeah, that was... It was easy. Yeah, he's not a big Tomb Kings type person, you know? I'm just a bigger Bretonians type person. You can keep your undead. Yeah, see? So, we're going to start. Now, what was interesting was... um, you know, Chris and I were going through the rule book, and we hadn't done a real deep dive into the army stuff yet because we wanted to really look at the rules. And um, so, these arcane journals—you can't use them without this Forces of Fantasy book or the Ravening Hordes books. Yeah, which I really felt like that was a here buy this. It's not that expensive. It'll get you by, and eventually, we'll just release regular army books. I kind of like that. This is the basic army. Is all of it is in one thing, and then they give these smaller little paperback books with the cool the extras. supplementals. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like source books. <laughs> there's no named characters, at least not. I mean, I was looking at Bretonians in no, the Forces I did not of Fantasy, but there's three or four in the Arcane Journal. And there's different ways to play your army in the Arcane Journal. And the story they're telling, they actually give you, there's one or maybe two, um, like, scenarios to play out. Historic scenarios to play out. It's interesting. It really does treat, like, uh, it it honestly does treat special characters as special in that way. Like, they're very unique and they tend to show up for these, like, scenario-type events. (laughs) Yeah. And this is, like, these are the characters from the story that they're putting together. I found it... uh, I just thought it was cool because I started looking through the rest of the Forces of Fantasy. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This is your really basic army. And it's got all the basic army rules there with all the characters, all the stuff, but no, nothing, none of that narrative particular, you know, named character stuff. And I was like, well, if you like the army enough for this and you want to branch off into possibly named characters and the, the other thing is there's two other, there's two other ways to play the army in... In the, exactly. In yeah. the forces book, it's it's like what they've been doing with uh, Age of Sigmar. Like when it when your book comes out and you could play, or these supplemental ones come out and they give you like Trug's army. Mm-hmm. There's a Trug's army list. There's a, you know, every time one of these books comes out, you get a this. If you want to play, or there was a broad stomp. You could have special rules. Uh, you're limited to what kind of units you can yeah, take. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they've got that going here, and I think it's I think it's pretty cool. But that means we have to go the exact opposite of what we normally do, which is hit the lore and then hit the uh, rules. We're going to have to hit the rules and then the lore and then the expanded the more rules. rules. So let's talk about the army list. Now, I like that the compositions, they've got percentages and numbers. They, they're not afraid to mix them up. Because I remember when it used to be numbers, you had to have three core, and then they went to percentages. I... We're we're all adults. We can do percentages. Yeah. Well, I like that they, but they they go in and by putting these other restrictions on it. And plus, then I can't, you know, take like ten archer spam or whatever and just fill out my core comp and then here we go. <laughs> um, but here you can take. They've got different uh, things set up. So, 
Uh, Bretonians, the basic Bretonian list is what we're working on. Uh, you can have up to about 50% of your army can be characters. You have to have at least 25% core. Uh, you can have up to 50% special and 25% rare and 20% mercenaries and 25% allies. So lots of little breaks. But the the interesting thing I like is the characters. Okay? So you can have up to one duke, zero to one dukes, which under Lords of Bretonia, a lot of these things have like the hero and lord level like we used to do in, when we played fantasy. Yeah. Like the handmaidens of the lady. They're listed as handmaidens. There's the damsel, which is 60 points, the hero level character, and then the prophetess, the 135 points. She's the level three wizard. The other one's a level one wizard. You got a hero and a lord. Uh, Bretonian, this one category has three. <laughs> There's the paladins, who are the you know characters, heroes. Barons, who are like the lords. And then there's the duke. And the duke is just bananas. Um, yeah, the duke is kind of nuts. <laughs> duke's pretty good. But you can have up to one duke in your army. Because the dukes are like, they're the, they're the guys in charge of that whole, their area. So you're only going to have one per army, probably. You can have up to one, zero to one baron or prophetess per thousand points so in a 2000 point game you can still only have one duke but you could have uh zero to two baron or prophetess uh the baron is no slouch um i definitely want a prophetess in my army though so if i have to pick between the two I, and i and i already took a duke yeah i think that would probably be the move but mm-hmm. i then, mean if you can take a duke they're pretty rad yeah uh, and then the paladins, the dams. Well, the thing is, if you're only playing a thousand, you can still take a duke, but you can't take uh, mo- you can take a baron or a prophetess at a thousand. So yeah, yeah, you'd only you'd only be able to have one. So at that point, you can. Of course, with the, the prophetess points get, is the way to go with, at that point. Yeah, with the points getting tight, take a prophetess. Then you, the, the paladins, uh, the damsels, the level one wizard uh, ones, and sergeant at arms, the not lordly. Uh, unit. These are all of your characters that you can take. Um, let's talk about them real quick before we get to all the core stuff. Um, the Bretonian lords. I mean, now um, there's a lot of gear options. I'm not going through every gear and every point option, right? Um, your your lords have a bunch of different weapon options. Some cool stuff. They can take a shield. They can be mounted. And there's a list of mounts, and you can get really crazy with them if you want to. Oh, it it looks super rad. Um, now, the Baron or the Paladin can replace their vows. They have vows in here, and we're going to have to get into the... Oh, we should get into those special rules, too, because that's going to make this all make sense. I'm just so it excited with this. would have a good part, place to start at. <laughs> yeah, but it's all the way in the back. So let's go to there, I guess. Let's flip to Kingdom of Bretonia special rules. Okay, let's do that. And then we'll get back to the Lord. So first of all, um, instead of rolling off for who goes first, the Bretonians can just give up going first to pray to the lady. And if they do that, they get a six-up ward against all wounds, and they get a five-up ward if it was an attack with a strength of five or higher. So that's pretty good. Uh, It's interesting here. It says, note that if there's no roll-off to determine which player takes the first turn, the Kingdom of Bretonia Army cannot kneel and pray for the blessing. Neither can two Bretonian armies that are playing against each other. The lady will not bless rubber bullets. 
No, it says they will face one another, neither may they kneel and pray. The lady will not give her blessing to those that wage internecine wars and no knight would presume to ask. So they're not even assuming it's uh, their play, because they wouldn't probably pray to her if they were doing war games anyway. If they're really going to fight, they're not asking her. Uh, You can lose the blessing if you uh, flee or if you refuse a challenge, you lose the blessing. Um, not falling back in good order is not fleeing. You'd have to flee, flee. Um, they have the finest war horses. When they charge, flee, or pursue, they can re-roll any natural one before discarding the dice that is required to be discarded. So any ones you roll, you can re-roll on your, uh, on your charge roll. You have the lance formation, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And then you have the peasantry. Uh, if you have the peasantry rule, and this is like your, you, you know, your common Joe's on yeah, foot, your yeoman. Basically, if they're within six inches of a friendly model with the knight's vow, the questing vow, or the grail vow, uh, and it's not fleeing, they can use their leadership instead of the peasant's leadership because the peasant's leadership is going to be lower than the. If you got a knight's vow, a grail vow, or a questing vow, you are a knight or a lord. Or basically knights and lords. That's it. Yeah, you take some sort of chivalric vow, mm-hmm. which we will get into. Uh, in addition, a st- oh, if, if you're peasantry and you have a standard, which helps you, uh, your opponent doesn't get points for if they wipe you out with the standard. Because it's the peasant. It doesn't, it, it doesn't really count. <laughs> yes, it can't be counted as a trophy of war. The character with this special rule can only join a unit that also... Yeah, so... Peasants can't join knights. Yeah, no kidding, huh? Built-in class system. Now, the chivalrous vows. These are pretty cool, okay? Now, we'll start with the biggest one, which is the grail vow. And that one, unless you have a rule that says you can swap it, um, and a lot of times if you swap it, if you're of a lower level than this, like a lower level character, you have to pay more to get it. Um, But the grail vow, if you're a duke or a grail knight... You automatically get the Grail Vow. Um, And that one, you're immune to psychology, you have magical attacks, and you're stubborn. In addition, you always benefit from the blessings of the lady and do not have to pray at the start of the game. However, you can't refuse a challenge. Uh, You can only be joined by uh, units with Chivalrous Vow, can only be joined by a character that also has uh, Chivalrous... uh, uh, The Grail Vow. Yeah. The Vow. Uh, or by a handmaiden of the lady. Uh, and if you can't join a peasant unit if you have this. So then like the next level down is the questing vow. And that's the questing knights have that. And this one, you're stubborn. You can reroll, fail, fear, panic, or terror checks. You don't make panic tests when peasantry are destroyed or when they flee through you. Which is just hysterical, I'm going to be honest. They just don't run. Those guys run, but those guys are cowards anyway. (laughs) So then uh, they can't have a lance, magical or otherwise, which is interesting. That's interesting. They that is from uh, from the old game as well, though. Yeah, they had they all had great weapons instead of lances. Yeah. Uh, If you have the chivalrous vow, you can't be joined by a knight's vow. A unit can't with a chivalrous vow can't be joined by a character with knight's vow or peasantry. A character with a chivalrous vow 
can't join a unit that is a peasantry. So, so like it's funny. Grailvow character can go into these units. Like you can go lower, but they can't. You, they, you can't go higher. You yeah. Get, you can't elevate yourself. That's dishonorable. Yeah. And then finally, the knight's vow, which is for the other knights. Uh, you don't make panic tests when peasantry run through you or when they break within six inches of you. And chivalrous uh, unit with a chivalrous vow can't be joined by a character that has peasantry, and a character with chivalrous vow can't join peasantry. There we go. So they just get different bonuses. Uh, all of them are, you know, not, none of them are bad. None of them are bad. All of them uh, don't care if peasants run near them or through them. Uh well, Grail, it's funny. Grail Vow is just straight up immune to psychology, which is always excellent. I shouldn't have gone the other way, even though that one is the most powerful, because if I read them the right way, Shiver's Vow, you don't make panic tests when the peasantry die or run through you, right? Next one, it's you don't you can re-roll these tests and don't go when they run through you. And then you're just immune to psychology. <laughs> You just, you know, just builds up the more chivalrous you get. Yeah, I've gotten the straight up blessing from the Lady of the Lake. I'm not running from anything. No kidding. And uh, then we get the lore of the Lady. Now, this one is pretty interesting. Now, this basically um, it says that, and you can't just take all of these, you know, uh, because you still have to roll for your spells. And you roll on whatever lore they have, which I forget which ones the damsels had. Battle magic, elementalism, or illusion. They can roll on those. Um, now, since they have a couple of their own spells, how that works is um, she can discard one of her randomly generated spells like she can before. You can discard one and take the signature spell. This says when she do this, they can select either the signature spell of the chosen lore or one of these spells. And they're not bad. Uh, enchantment is a remains in play. Uh, you basically it's called the lady's gift. It is an enchantment. <laughs> yep, the lady's gift. On a it, uh, basically, if you if it goes off uh, on a seven or better, you get the uh, regeneration six plus rule. If it goes off on a 10 or better, you get regen 5. And this is one of the spells where it says you can target a unit in combat. Because the rule is you can't target units in combat with spells. But um, you specifically came with this. Because it says awesome. so. You get regen. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, burning Gaze. Uh, 5d6 range missile. St draw a straight line, 5d6 in length. Any basic crosses over, takes a strength 4 hit with no armor save. You can take wards and any enemy though. model. Any enemy model, yeah. But I mean, that's just it's a it's a strength four hit, no AP. Five D six, five D six inches. Any base, so yeah, so anywhere from five to thirty inches. Get the little laser line through our. Boom. There you go. Uh, I like the lady's wrath though, the enchantment that goes on herself, and it's a remains in play. First of all, in a nine up. And while this is in play, the caster, the mount, and any unit they join, plus one strength, plus one armor piercing. That's really good. And it remains in play. So as long as she just leaves it on, it's on. That's really good. Yeah. Especially since the... the the handmaidens and damsels 
can join with all of the night units. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. It's uh, That's the one spell that I would really want to pick, I think. Unless I'm misreading something, I feel like this is just really, for a for a 9-plus cast, to get all that juice seems pretty good. That Especially if you if you're put yourself in a unit that's about to get a charge off or something like that, you can... That that can put a world of hurt on. Well, wait till we get to some of that too, because there's a bunch of cool stuff that this army can do that I was just kind of going through when I was when I was looking through this. I was saying like, okay, looking at the special rules and then saying, okay, who else has this special rule? And a lot of these guys have similar special rules in the units, and it's like, oh, this is going to really just be crazy. Um, but we still got to talk about this lance formation because this is what knights and stuff do. This is the important thing. Um, this has got a lot of pictures and stuff. I can't. I'm not going to explain all of it because it really does benefit from having photographs. Um, but so basically the front flank and rear arcs of a unit in the lance formation are determined by the models in the second rank and the last rank. So that's when you're measuring your arcs because the ranks are weird. Okay. Um, the front rank has one model. Second rank has two models. Third rank has three and so on and so on. Okay. Uh, the command groups go in the front. The uh, standard bearer goes in the front front. And then the two behind them, if you have them, well, if you have all three, it's standard bearer in the front, and then behind them is the musician and the champion. Should uh, that be what you order? Um, there's some maneuvering rules about how to move around. Um when you get into combat, only the model at the very front of a lance has to make base contact with the enemy. If that makes it, then you're assumed to have just kind of plowed through. <laughs> um, if this model can't doesn't make base contact, the lance is blunted. Okay, and that basically they don't they don't get uh, a lot of their bonuses. <laughs> While in combat, every model on the outside of a lance is considered to be within the fighting rank and in base contact. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, because as we were talking, Chris and I were talking about earlier, and I don't know if you were listening to this, Harrison. Um, if if we got twenty five mil bases, and my got units five wide, and yours is ten wide, obviously there's only seven of our my yeah. models touching your models because they're yeah. corner to corner. The three who aren't touching in the front rank, they still get one attack apiece mm-hmm. because they're in the front rank. They're not just going to stand there; they're going to come up. They don't get all their attacks; they get one. Okay. But everybody in the front rank gets to attack. I think yeah. they only get one. Uh, here, that Lance, if you go four deep, you got 10 models in here. You've got seven in the front rank. And in base contact. Yes. So they get so full attacks. All getting full attacks, yes. Uh, a unit in Lance formation can claim a rank bonus of one plus for each rank that contains enough models as determined by its troop type. Troop type uh, is um, in the book here and or in the in the regular rule book and i was looking at this earlier and i think it's four wide for heavy cav and i think it's five wide for light cav but i don't think you have light cavalry in uh in this in the bretonian army i really don't think you do but i'd have to look that up uh look up uh the different uh, unit types later because I don't want to uh, 
I don't want to take up all this time on the air just sitting there looking for it. And while I said that, I found it. Okay. Light cav has to be five. So four models per rank. And it says the maximum rank bonus is plus one. That's for heavy cav, uh, which is what a lot of Bretonian tubes are. So that that rank of four, that full you rank of four, one you get your plus one. So you'd need 10 models to get your plus one. Now, I wonder, and this is what I'm not certain about, because um, it says here, a unit in Lance Formation claim a rank bonus for each rank that contains enough models as determined uh, by its troop type. So this is a army rule usually oversees supersedes the universal rules so i'm wondering if you went to 14 and had just kept going with four but i think you'd have to keep going wider after four would you have to go with five i think so so then you'd go from 10 to 15 and you'd get could you get a rank bonus of two and i think i think according to what i'm reading here i think you would but now you've got 15 nights in a row and you're paying so many points for that i think 10 gets expensive Especially depending on ten to get your one rank. I'm bonus. also not convinced that that reading says that you would get an additional point anyway. A unit in lands formation can claim a rank bonus of plus one for each rank that contains enough models as determined by its troop type. And so, then, and then the heavy cavalry troop type says four models for a rank, and it says at maximum of one, right? Yes, but the army book supersedes the universal rules. That it's That's actually in the main rule book. Well, I know that's in the main rule book. That's always been in the main rule book, but... But it says for each, but then, like I said, then you'd have to add five more to get one more rank bonus. Would you really want to spend all that for one more rank bonus? But I think you would get it. But we don't want to argue it. If we're wrong, I'm wrong. No, that's I mean, fine. it's not that big a deal. Uh, a unit in Lansmore... Lance formation may become may claim a bonus of plus one combat result points. So Lance just gives you plus one combat resolution. Okay. Yeah, you hit him real good. Uh, if you're charged in the flank, then uh, you're blunted, and blunted means uh, like if because if they hit you in the side, they're they, they're not hitting you. In, they're probably not hitting you in the in that model. Yeah. So basically when they hit you, you got to get all reformed into normal fighting ranks and stuff, and it's it's a hot mess. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a pain. And then, it's, and then it starts telling you when you remove casualties how you have to do it, and it says you may remove models from the middle of the bank black, uh, back rank rather than from an, one end. Uh, That's how you can keep your full... Well, because you take it from the back, and technically... Everyone on the sides of the rank are all in that front rank. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of weird stuff here. The, how, how they fight with skirmishers. Uh, skirmishers cannot blunt a lance. And um, they talk about a character after I don't care about that. All I know is I'm going to have this cool 10 knights in this big ass arrow. <laughs> Just, Just slamming. Yeah, it's going to be. If you get, it's if, awesome. Uh, it, you know what? You have to be good at positioning and getting your charges off. But if you get good at that, I mean, you 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 getting the bonuses with the finest war horses, which most of these have. You're getting that bonus to your uh, you to your charge roll. Yeah, you've got the lances getting you. You've it's just oh, it's going to be so good. So let's. Let's go back and look at these rules now, now that we've talked about the different knights. And once again, if you don't remember it all, folks, it's in the book. This Honestly, this uh, 
the forces of fantasy and the ravening hordes are probably the best deals I've seen as far as this stuff goes because you get everybody's army list um, and all the cool basics. So back to the lords and heroes, they got a bunch of different types of mounts, okay? And they actually list, they says they may be mounted and then you got to go to a different page and their mounts, you can put them on a war horse which is like an extra 16.3 character, or a barded Pegasus. There you go. For 30 points, you know. (laughs) And then there's the Royal Pegasus, which is even more, and, okay, whereas a barded Pegasus gives you an extra wound, uh, a Royal Pegasus gives you plus one toughness and plus one wound. Uh, Then there's the Hippogriff, which only Dukes and Barons can ride. He's, like, farther down the list for some reason. He's several pages later. For no reason, I'm not going to lie. This book is set up a little insane. Uh, Yeah, a little bit. It's a little bit like they push shuffle, but we found it. Okay, Okay. here we go. All right. So, now the Hippogriff. Plus one toughness and plus three wounds. Yes. He is a monstrous creature. He's on a 50 mil base. Uh, he can have barding, okay? This guy gets, has counter charge. He can fly. He's a large target. He's got stomp attacks. Um, his claws are, str- well, he's strength five. So strength five, AP two for his claws. Uh, his bite is strength five, no AP, but armor bane two and multiple wounds two. Yeah. It can only be a mount for your character. And this starts getting expensive, but it's it's pretty it's pretty. I mean, rad. if you're already buying a duke, like put him on a hippogriff, like go go crazy with it. Prophetess can be on a war, a Bretonian warhorse, a regular warhorse, um, which doesn't have uh, finest warhorses and stuff like that, um, and uh, doesn't have counter charge. She can take a royal Pegasus. Only the prophetess, only the high level, the lord level wizard lady, can ride the royal Pegasus. Uh, and she could take a unicorn. Unicorn's kind of awesome. <laughs> Plus one wound. Plus Monstrous one wound. cavalry. Yeah. Uh, so armor it, bane two. Just for the unicorn. Armored hide. Beguiling aura. Counter charge. Magical attack. Stomp attack. Swift stride. Um, I'm glad that the we, that the unicorn's attacks are magical. Yes. Uh, Beguiling Aura, every model must make a leadership test before making any rolls to hit against this model during the combat phase. If it's failed, only natural sixes will hit. Because you can't attack a unicorn. What kind of insane person are you? Even Archer yelled at people for (laughs) going after unicorns. I'm not going to comment on that. That's fine. Um, lots of cool things that you can put these guys on. Now that's going to drive up the points like crazy. Your Duke's a buck 75. He's a pretty expensive character. Now this dude is, he's got weapon skill seven, you know, and the, the Baron's a six and so is the Paladin. So he's got that. The ballistic skills are number three. Strength five, tough But four. hold up, hold up. The Baron and the Paladin have strength four. That he gets an extra pip of strength. He's strength five. They're all toughness four. Wounds, the Paladin gets two. He's the arrow. The Baron gets three. three. Duke gets Duke's four. Got four wounds. Put him on a hippogriff. He's got seven. That's pretty that's pretty nuts. Um four initiative for the Paladin, five for the Baron and the Duke. Leadership for the Baron is a uh, Paladin is eight. Uh Baron and the Duke is nine. Now once again, 
You're going from 60 points for a Paladin to 175 for the Duke. That doesn't include putting a, giving him a cool weapon. The Morningstar is kind of a cool weapon. Morningstar, if I do wounds to you and you have a special weapon, like you're a character, like you have a magical weapon, you don't got it no more. It's broke. Oh. Yeah. Morningstar's got some cool... It's not the most powerful weapon, but it'll bust up stuff. Uh, a shield will give you a point. Uh, you know, he... Um, you, you mount, you put him on that, the barding, you get it. You can pick your vows. He can replace his knight's vow with the questing yeah, vow Baird or the grail and, vow. The barons and paladins uh, start with the knight's vow, and they can upgrade to a questing or a grail vow. Uh, Duke Duke has the grail Duke vow. Duke gets the grail vow. Dukes are generally, it says in the little lore blurb here, many of them literally are grail knights who found the grail and drank from the grail and, you know have spoken to the lady of the lake and yep. all that jazz. Well, when we get into the lore, you're going to hear about one of the guys who did not get the blessing when he felt he did, and it caused a lot of problems, or he felt he should have. It's pretty cool. Uh, they can take a knightly virtue. Oh, we didn't talk about knightly virtues. Knights can pick this stuff called knightly virtues, and I think it's pretty cool. They ain't cheap, Okay. So a lot of, when they say you may choose a knightly virtue, uh, the fact that it didn't say how much you can spend on it uh, is pretty interesting. A duke can take magic items up to 100 points. You know, the littler guy can take 50 points. So you got a duke for 175. You want to put him on a hippogriff with barding for another buck 35. So we're already up to 310 points. Um. And that's without giving him an extra weapon or a shield, uh, magic items, or a knightly vow. So, like, this guy could be 500 points. That's, I mean, that's, it's crazy how much he could be. Now, knightly virtues are special things for, for your characters. Um, they get really expensive, but they, they range from five to 70 points. Okay, so let's, let's start with the big ones, the 70. Uh, when you charge, you gain extra attacks plus D3 and hatred of all enemies. You kill things. So you're going to get D3 extra attacks and re-roll your failed hit rolls. <laughs> uh, next, one, next one down is uh, unless using a magic weapon, models of this virtue gain killing blow and monster slayer. I do like that one. That's pretty awesome. Um, but there are also, uh, you know, there's some other ones. The vir- now some of them are some of them will say only certain characters too, like virtue of the pendant. It's only Duke, Baron, or Paladin. Uh, they're unbreakable, but they can't join another unit. Unbreakable has changed, by the way, Harrison. Unbreakable means if you fail the combat, you just give ground, which means you just back up, so you don't fall back in good order or flee. But if you lose the combat, no combat stays where it is. You back up a little bit. Okay, that makes sense. And then the guys who won can choose to follow up and stay in combat or stay off. Like if you charged me and I won the combat and you had to back up, I'm going to leave you alone so that way I can charge on my turn and get my charge bonuses. Or if I charged on my turn and you backed up, I don't want you charging me. I can follow up. So there's there's some fun stuff with that. Interesting. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of really cool... Uh, Duke Paladin or Baron only. Character with this virtue has plus one modifier to its weapon skill, initiative, attacks, and leadership characteristics. However, However they cannot be your general or join a friendly unit. 
So they're a solo character. So you wouldn't put this on your Duke, obviously, because it can't be the general. Um, but for four, you could, and then just make some no nothing paladin your general. No, because uh, it has to be the character with the highest leadership. And well, you could make a well, baron. I mean, if you just you could make it the baron. Well, I mean, if the character is just straight up ineligible to be the general, I don't think you can make it the general. Well, that's what I'm saying. And the guy with you, the guy with this weapon. So you're. That's du- what I'm saying. You know. So I would. You would give this to your duke, or what? You could give this to your duke, and then have someone lower leadership than him. No, you have to have the guy with the highest leadership. You just couldn't give him this item if he's the general. La- highest leadership has to be the general. Now there are two characters with leadership nine, so that if seems you ha- odd. Nope that's the that's the rules. Your character, if you have multiple characters tied for highest leadership, you can pick who's the general. But highest leadership is the general. That's how it used to be. You forget about that. No, I don't think because there were like sp- there was also other things where it's like you were just straight up ineligible to be the general. Well, there are characters who said that this character can't be a general, like loners and slayers and things like that. But otherwise, highest leadership. That's why I would say on those guys they're ineligible to be the general because you know they couldn't be. Yeah. So yeah. no. That's you- what this, is that not what this is saying? However, this character cannot be your army's general or join a friendly unit. Ah, uh, maybe. Oh, yeah. I guess I, like it seems get, yeah. like it's the same thing to me. It just removes them from like, I guess like the order oh, of I see succession. Yeah, I got that all wrong. I'm dumb, dumb head. Okay. Yeah, because you gave it to him, it wouldn't be. It's not. I, I read it as you can't give it to your general and the guy with your highest leadership would have no, to be your no, general. No, no, I'm just saying like, yeah, if you, you give it this to him, me. he is no longer eligible to be your general. Right, got you. Um. If we want to just like skip ahead a little bit, like you can go down to like some of the midpoint ones. This twenty-five point one virtue of duty, yeah, uh, Duke, Baron, or Paladin only, unless the general of the art of me has been removed from play as a casualty. When calculating its combat result, this character may claim a bonus of plus one combat result point. This character cannot be your general or join a friendly unit. So Do basically, you- a lone character gets plus one to his combat result. So if you charge in a unit in, and him separately into a, the same unit. You've got all that combat res because one character against a unit. It's like oof, that one extra combat res is good, but it exactly, could be dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like the virtue of empathy. The I was going to mention that one. one. Yeah, a duke, baron, or paladin only they can join a peasantry unit, which I don't under I don't know why you'd want to. But I'll, I'll lower myself. It's fine, I suppose. I do like the virtue of discipline. You can march while you're within eight. You don't have to make a leadership text to march within eight inches of the enemy. That's good too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so knightly virtues, spe- extra special things because there's not a, there's not enough ways to spend points on your character. If you went and went crazy with the duke, you could really have him costing one seventy five. Uh, something to note, real quick, is that each uh-huh. virtue can only be chosen once per army. Yes. But there's like 20, and you won't have that many yeah, characters exactly. who get to pick. So, uh, knightly virtues. Who gets knightly virtues? I thought I had it written down here. Uh, the lords, the three levels of lords, the questing knights, and the grail knights. And that's the champion from those units. So, the three levels of lords and the yeah, champion. So, you're not going to be of- taking a bunch, but it is it is cool that like you could have a smattering of different options to what you'll see. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Um, Handmaidens of the Lady. Let's get to these because these are so good. 
So the prophetess and the damsel, okay? Basically, uh, the prophetess has three wounds as opposed to two, a four weapon skill as opposed to three, and two attacks as opposed to one, and a little uh, extra leadership. Yeah. Leadership eight as opposed to seven. Um, but big thing is, I mean, she's, she's a little a more than three twice wizard. as much, but she's a level three wizard, and you get another 30 points to make the level one a level two or the level three a level four. So and I I've ne- I don't if I have points I always boost them. <laughs> yeah, like I never don't. That's kind of an auto take for me. Yeah. Like I understand when it you know. So I know it says here sixty people who are actually good at this game might be better and might be better and know when to take level three wizards. But it says here sixty and one thirty five, and I'm looking at a base of ninety and one sixty five because I'm taking that extra level. Yeah, exactly. Um. And they can take magic items, 50 or 100 points, depending on uh, which level. Uh, Shield of the Lady is very cool, okay? Um, Oh, by the way, if the Handmaidens of the Lady join a unit, that unit gets magical attacks. So when you're playing against things that are ethereal and undead stuff, having a couple of Handmaidens and sticking them in units is really good. Also, there's somewhere in the rules, and I know I saw it in the FAQs today. The late, oh, it says it right here. Okay. The shield of the lady. Mm-hmm. This is awesome, Harrison. You'll like this. If she is in a unit that has a unit strength of 10 or more, and usually unit strength is one per yeah. model. So if you got a unit, 10 or more models, right? And that has a chivalrous vow. So in the chivalrous vows, who can have the chivalrous vows? Oh, that's, that's the, the night. The night. So vows and all like the that. lords, the Grail knights, the knights on foot, the knights mounted, the knights errant, the peg knights. Put them with the knights on foot, or you could put her on a mount and have her with a unit of knights. Uh, maybe not the lance, but unit of knights. Okay, so um, if she uh, unit strength of ten or more has a chivalrous vow, she can voluntarily retire to the rear of the unit, moving through the ranks and taking up a position away from combat. Okay, now normally if you do that. When a wizard flees or to the back of the unit, those uh, remains in play spells or those spells that are on themselves that help their unit. Mm-hmm. Once you go to the back, like if you're in the back, you can't you fight. You, yeah. yeah, they don't benefit them anymore. But the lady can voluntarily retire to the rear. They're no longer within the fighting rank, can't make attacks or have t- attacks directed against them. However, they continue to confer benefits in the form of leadership and special rules and may cast spells as if they're in the fighting rank. That's that's awesome. And she it's can really choose cool. to go to the back and still do all her stuff. Whereas Because the knights have taken the vow to protect the damsel of the lady. Exactly. I think that's a great rule. It's cool because normally a wizard goes in the back row. He's done. You're not casting spells. You're busy hiding. And here it's like, nah, the lady, she doesn't have to. She can go in the back. Listen, no man's going to make this lady stay up in the front. No real Bretonian knight is going to try to force the lady to stay up, the damsel to stay up in the front when the battle's getting bad. Yeah, exactly. So what else do we got? Uh, the other type of hero we have that we haven't talked about is the Sergeant at Arms. This is an infantry character. He's 45 points. <laughs> um, he's a levies. He's levies, peasant duty, peasantry, and war band. Now, in case you've forgotten what those rules are, I will go through them really quick. Um, let's see. Uh, levies, they can't use the inspiring presence of the army's general or the hold your ground rule for a battle standard. 
However, little is expected from them. Therefore, units that have this special rule are not required to make panic tests when friendly units of levies break and flee from combat. So if you do, oh, so units that do not have this special rule. So if you like this is a, if he breaks and runs from combat, the other guys yeah, like no one cares. Yeah, nobody cares. If you if you're not a levy and these guys break, it doesn't matter. But you can't use your general's leadership or the battle standard bonuses, none of that. Um so what good is he? Oh wait, well that's the levies. Now what's the peasant's duty and the peasantry? Let's get to those. Um Oh, peasant's duty and peasantry. That's peasant's not... duty is down here on the actual unit. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, this character in any unit uh, they have joined may choose to give ground rather than fall back in good order and does not have to make a panic test when a friendly unit of levies breaks and flees from combat while within six inches of it. Additionally, th- unless this character is fleeing, any friendly unit that is within the command range has the levy special rule may re-roll a failed panic test. So... When levies break, when the levy they, breaks, anybody who's they not the peasants into shape, it, it's yeah, they're like an orc bully, which For, is why they're forty five points. And you know what? That's not bad though, because no, now it's honestly, a really good idea. Because when, if the levies break, anything without the levies rule doesn't care. But these guys do have the rule, but it, he doesn't care. And if you're with a unit with him, they won't have to take panic tests. He keeps them a lot around. He keeps them in order. And for that cheap, you could take a couple of them. He's one of those characters who's on the unlimited for the heroes. Yeah, that's exactly it. You can have a couple of a big, a, a chunky units of 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 cheap because pe- okay, because the levy units are super cheap. Shall we talk about the levy units? Since let's talk about them. I think there's only like three. In fact, I wrote them down. Hold on, let me make sure I got them. There are. Four. Four levies, I think. Okay. First two levies, core units, men-at-arms, and peasant bowmen. Um, they are super cheap. Men-at-arms are four points apiece. Peasant bowmen are five. The problem is they have levies. So, you know, they have levies. They're peasantry. Um, they have a weapon skill of two. Whoops. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, hand weapons, pole arms, light armor, and a shield. So they come with, not, it's not bad. You know, uh, what's the um, the pole arm? Oh, the pole arm, it's uh, that you can fight in an extra rank with it or fight with two hands and get some AP. Um, so that's not bad. Uh, but they do have some other cool stuff with them, and this is where it gets a little interesting. So uh, a Grail Monk is a command group model that follows all the rules for a champion. In other words, a unit that contains both a yeoman and a Grail. So you can have the yeoman, the standard bear, and the musician, but you can also have a Grail Monk. So someone out there praying with you, he counts as like a second champion, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is cool, though, because if I put... I have this men-at-arms unit. I've got the yeoman. I pay the extra point of the grail monk. Now, especially if you have a, a character that's in here, like your man, your sergeant-at-arms, and I don't want the sergeant-at-arms fighting and getting killed by a real character, I have two dudes I can throw in the way. Yeah. Uh, now, the grail monk can have a... Now, a grail monk's only an extra seven points to this four-point model. So he's 11. He can have a blessed triptych. 
for 25 points. Uh, if you have this, you're stubborn. Now, the stubborn thing, once again, I just don't think stubborn alone is all that great. The f- and if, here it is, Harrison. The first time a unit is required to make a break test, you can just fall back in good order and not roll at all. Even if the unit strength is more than double yours and you would have to panic and flee, you can just fall back in good order, which is like fleeing but then recovering immediately afterwards, yeah, exactly. right? Um, it's only on the first time you're required to make the break test. And let's say you lost by one and you're like, I could totally make, I, I'll just roll it. I don't care. I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to fall back in good order. I'd rather just, get, if you don't use it the first one, it, you don't get it. So it's just, eh. I mean, it's nice to have that extra bit, but a lot of times I've seen it. And in fact, in here, I've seen it uh, coupled with uh, veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, veterans can reroll failed leadership tests. Now, a break test is not a leadership test, but they can reroll failed leadership tests. At least they've got that going for them, and then then they get that first break test. They can, if it's going to be bad, because you never know what's going to happen. But it's just, I mean, I don't know. Um, but that's your that's your first Corbin. Uh, Peasant Bowman are similar. They're just a little more expensive, but their stats are basically. Actually, they're very similar. In fact, they're almost all the same, except they do have a three ballistic skill, and their leadership is seven. That's not bad. Yeah, I mean, for uh, the other guys are five, so yeah. Um, they can have a command unit. They can take light armor. Uh, there's defensive stakes. Oh, remember defensive stakes? Yeah. I remember those. You put them in front. Okay, so 10 points per unit. Uh, the stakes are placed in base contact with the front arc and will remain there for the duration of the game unless the unit moves. If the unit moves for any reason, including reforming, the stakes are lost and are removed from play. All measurement to and from the unit is done from the unit itself. Ignore the stakes. Enemy units can charge the front of the unit equipped with the defensive stakes, but do not have to physically cross the stakes. Instead, the front rank of charging units moves into base contact with the stakes, making a disordered charge and becoming disrupted. A model whose troop type is cavalry or chariot must make a dangerous terrain test if it ends the charge move in base contact with the stakes. I forgot about that. So if you charge, you're disrupted. You don't get rank bonuses and stuff for fighting Mm -hmm. over the fence. And if you're a cavalry, you might lose some going over those spikes, like in Braveheart. Whoopsies. Um, They can also have burning braziers. This is 20 points. If you have one of these, you get flaming attacks. The longbows are flaming. That's not it's bad. It's not bad. No. Like, they're actually not terrible. I mean, that's 20 points. Yeah, I mean, it's something, and they've got a... a they're wep- ballistic skill three. They hit you on fours, generally, like... Yeah, I mean, and you're going to have some of this stuff to bulk out your army, because you can't afford it when you just spent $400 on 10 knights. Or 400 points, you know? Or, you know, one duke on a hippogriff. Or, yes, I have a duke on a hippogriff and a bunch of grail knights, and I basically just don't have another rest of my army. Um, what are the other levies? Hold on. Uh, okay, battle pilgrims and grail. This is a special one. You can only have up to two per thousand points. Okay. These guys are also weapon skill two and strength three and one attack leadership eight because the battle pilgrims are crazy. They're crazy. All right, so. Eight points a piece. You can have up to 30 in the units. You can also take a Grail Reliquy for 65 points, okay? 
It counts as six models because it's twice as wide and three times as deep. It goes as close to the center of the front rank as you can put it. If the unit reforms, it has to go to the front. Casualties are removed from the unit as normal, but the Grail Reliquate cannot lose any wounds while it has bat- the Battle Pilgrims remain. So since it's got to be as close as it can in the middle, you just keep taking stuff off the back, and then when you get to the rank where he's in the middle of the rank, you just go from one side to the other, just removing one at a time. Um, it counts as a standard bearer and a musician for this unit. While it's within 12 inches of a friendly model that has a grail vow that's not fleeing, this unit is immune to psychology and unbreakable. So they don't take fear, panic, or terror checks, and when they lose combat, they only give ground and back up two inches. 30 of these guys, you'd only take 24 if you have the grail reliquate. 8 times 24 is 192. You add a reliquate for 65, that's 257. Um, and then you've got a unit of 30, 30 wounds that is that is unbreakable. And yeah. Yeah. And immune to psychology. But it's like weapon skill too. It's not going to kill anything. It has hatred of everything, so it's going I to mean, get to reroll thing, its though, hits. Like, it is stubborn. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know because that's the thing. Like they're not good, but you're not. And the reliquary gets its own. It's got it's got six attacks because it's. I guess it's considered six, and it's in the front rank, so it gets all its attacks. And it's weapon skills. <laughs> or, yeah, it's still, yeah, it's still weapon skill, too. Oh, my gosh. You can have one Grail Reliquary for every character or unit with the Grail Vow. So if you don't have anyone with the Grail Vow, you can't have a Reliquary. A Reliquary. But you're going to take a unit of Grail Knights because they're bad as heck. They're really bad. <laughs> or you take a Duke. Or you just have a regular character that has boosted to Grail Knight. I just look at this and say it's expensive. Maybe I don't need 30, but a unit that's unbreakable and immune to psychology is pretty cool. You I just mean, have to it keep makes, the character it, it makes a good good thing to keep to keep things down, but Yeah. Yeah, it's it's expensive and expensive. Oh yeah. And very it's it's very expensive and very weapon skill too in my opinion. Yes. Uh, now, the last one is the Mounted Yeoman. They're a special, but, you know, basic dudes on horses. That's light calf. They're mostly threes, you know. Weapon three. skill three. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Yeah, that, well, and ballistic skill, strength, toughness, initiative, all three. They're pretty much a three person. Leadership six, you know. Um. Now, they're 13 points. If you want them to have light armor and a shield, which gives them a nice five-up save, uh, they wind up being 16 points. Uh, And you can take feigned flight, but these are levies. So these guys guys riding on the horses don't panic anybody that's not in a levy. They'll just ride their horses right through you and nobody cares. Yeah, I mean, that's... They're worse than nobody's. I'm not I'm not certain 
They're the nobodies, nobodies. And they're listed as special, too. It's like, is it just because they're really cheap knights and you can get more knights on the table? I don't know. I or mean, they're, they're not fast, knights, they're, they're yeoman. They're cav. They're light cavalry. Do they have the fast cavalry? Yes, they do. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to see if there's other fast cav in here, and I don't see any actually. So if you if you need that, if you need that, oh yeah, fill, I guess that so. is that is important. Now here's some interesting things, though. We talked about this. Um, we talked about the um, a lot of these mounts. If you look, they a lot of them have counter charge and first charge. So if their first charge of the game, uh, when it connects, you're considered disrupted when they hit you. So you're not going to get rank bonuses on their first charge of the game. Okay? But if you start looking through... um, Where is it? Peg Knights have counter charge. Uh, The Mounted Yeomen don't. Grail Knights have counter charge. Questing Knights... Do not have counter charge. Interesting. Uh, Mounted Knights of the Realm, they They have counter charge. Um, Knights Errant do not. A lot of the the different mounts that are listed, I think they will get, I think they give them counter charge. I'm not 100% certain, but I thought they did. I'm just trying to look and see. No, I can't even find all the mounts, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter. What do I know? I don't know how to play this game. Um, it is annoying that I can't find them. Oh, there they are. Uh, counter charge for a Bretonian Warhorse. Oh, there is light cab for the Warhorse that the, the damsel can ride. Counter charge on the Barded Pegasus. Counter charge on the Royal Pegasus. Counter charge on the Unicorn. I bet you the Hippogriff's got counter charge too. What about it, Hippogriff? Do you got count? Yep, counter charge. So basically everything except their light cavalry is counter charging. These guys have every opportunity. If you were going to, like, the biggest problem with cavalry is that if you don't get the charge off, you don't get your bonuses. Exactly, yeah. And if these guys get get up and don't get there and the guys want to charge you, okay, you can charge. Now, here's the thing. It's got to be a charge. Counter charge only works against other cav, chariots, and monsters. Mm-hmm. So if infantry charges into me. Well, they're infantry. They shouldn't be able to get close enough to charge you while you're on horses. But you never know what's going to happen. You're coming up, you're getting lined up, and you fail your charge. And the next yeah, thing you know, well, they get the breaks. in. That's how it happens. But, but I'm saying, you got you to gotta mitigate that. But but I, I appreciate the fact that it's like, okay, well, we at the very least, we both get our bonuses if you're making the long charges, too. These guys, it's well, plus, the great thing with counter charge is that D3 plus one that I move forward, because you, you declare your charge, I declare counter charge, I move. Now your distance to reach me is lowered, so that roll is just that much easier for mm-hmm. you. It almost guarantees we're getting in combat, which I think is fantastic. Um, How long have we been going? All right, a little bit more, just a little bit more. I want to get through some more of this. Uh, so we covered that, the Bard of Pegasus, the Knights of the Realm. Knights of the Realm on foot are core. Which is Sweet. great. And Knights of the Realm on foot, I believe. Now, wait. Uh, you have to have one plus unit of Knights of the Realm on foot and or mounted Knights of the Realm. 
So this you have to have one of these two in your army. You can't have an army without it. Uh, also, one plus units of men at arms and or peasant bowmen. So you got to have one unit of peasants. <laughs> yeah. One unit of crummy guys. One unit of knights. Then you can have up to one unit of knights errant per unit of knights of the realm on foot or mounted knights of the realm as core. So that's pretty cool. Knights errant aren't uh, core uh, unless you have one of those other units and then you can match them up one for one. And you know what? You need three core units. And if you've got one Knights of the Realm or mounted and then you've got the one men at arms or peasant bowman. Yeah, you get your bowman, you get your... And you get Knights of the Realm, and then you get your Knights Errant. Yeah, you can choose your Knights Errant because you're automatically there, unless you want to pick something else, but it's right there. Um, Knights of the Realm on foot aren't bad. Weapon skills, four. No, I was actually looking at that. I think they're not looking too bad. Yeah. I mean, they're strength three, but they're humans. What do you expect? Uh, For one point, I can give them great weapons, make them strength five. Um, Or for one point... Or two points... They take a great weapon, and they still... Oh, here. They have hand weapon, heavy armor, and shields. So if they fight like that, they've got a four-up save. Yeah. Um, if they take a great weapon for two points, they still get their shield against shooting, mm-hmm. but not in close combat. Mm-hmm. Or you can trade your shield for a great weapon, say, I'm not worried about being shot at, and then it's only, and that's one, only point. one point. Which I think is cool. You have that option. Like, I kind of want to keep that shield... In case I'm getting shot at, but that means I can put double the great weapons on. Here we go. <laughs> yes, double the great weapons. Jeez. Um, and see, this is where you get there. Uh, now suddenly, though, you know, I'm paying 18 points for the command unit, 11 points a model. Let's say I take 10 models, knights on foot, 10 knights on foot, uh, 11 points plus. Are we taking the great weapons or just uh, trading the shield for great weapons? What do you want to do? Uh, I mean, it would depend. Honestly, I'm not certain at the moment. So I take them for. I'm gonna take. I'm just gonna take the great weapons. So eleven becomes thirteen apiece. Ten is one thirty. Add the eighteen points for the command unit. You're at one forty eight, and you can still take a magic standard up to twenty five points. And uh, the the character in the unit, the champion, the, the champion can champion take, take twenty five points worth of stuff. Even their basic core stuff can get expensive depending on how bad. This is what gets fun with this. Remember all the list building. How much can I squeeze in? Ugh, do I really need that extra shields on these guys? Because I need a couple of points here. I, oh, I've got 20 points left or 30 points left. What am I going to do? I have nothing I can do. I Maybe I'll get a... It, Great weapons. Or, yeah, or I'll add, a, I'll add a model to this unit. These models are 10 points apiece. My back rank now only has three. Everyone else has five or three. Why? Because I can get as close as possible to having 2,000 points just by adding another another model here or there. Um, squires are interesting. They're, they're special. Um, now because they're special, up to 50% of your army can be squires, questing knights, peg knights, mounted yeomen, and up to two units of battle pilgrims that we already talked about per 1,000 points. Um, oh, you know what? we didn't talk about is the Knights Errant and the Mounted Knights. We'll come back to that. Um, wait, what were we talking about? Again, this book is set up insane. Yeah, stuff's kind of all over, and then we started jumping all over with it. Um, let's see, come on. What else is in here? 
Yeah, okay, field trebuchet, we didn't talk. Oh, we were talking about the Mounted Yeoman. That's right. Weren't we? Or why were we talking about the Mounted Yeoman? We were not. We were talking about the Mounted Knights of the Realm. <laughs> oh, I'm getting crazy. Okay. Um. Yeah, the, oh, that's right. We had the guys on foot. And why the guys on foot aren't on the same darn page as the guys of the realm, since it's one plus, you have to take one of these two. Why they're not it's next to each other. It's several pages away, actually. It's really bad, guys. Yeah, it's uh, 91, Knights of the Realm on foot, 95, Knights Errant, or Knights of the Realm mounted. Jeez. Um, okay, but squires are kind of cool. Um, they've got decent, they got, they're kind of threes across the board again. They're only seven points. Move through c- cover, open order, peasantry, skirmish, and vanguard. They can fire and flee. They can be scouts. This is your little skirmish. You get the squires running out there, checking things, checking what's going on. They're inexpensive, but somebody had some sort of bonuses with squires I thought I was reading, so I thought that was interesting, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, what else do we got here? Okay, yeah, so let's get to yeah, the Mounted Knights of the Realm. Those guys start at 24. They're no joke. Hand weapon, lances, they heavy get Bretonian war horses. Yeah. These guys are core. That's yeah, that's true. Blessing of the Lady, close order, counter charge, finest war horses, first charge, lance, swift stride, and they have the knight's vow. The unit's not ex- not cheap, but boy, it does slam home. And again, it's 21 points to add in your command unit. You get 25 points worth of magic items for your champion. A lot of those cheap magic items, man, they're just, you know. Weapon skill four. Got your lances. You charge in. You just. Oh. These guys are core. One plus. Got to have at least one. You can have all, you can have an entire mounted army with this, which is great. One plus unit of Knights of the Realm on foot and a mounted, uh, so you got uh, one unit of Knights of the Realm, two units of Knights of the Realm uh, mounted, one unit of Knights uh, Errant, and there's your three core. And you mount your characters, and then whatever's left, you spend on Questing Knights, Peg Knights, Grail Knights, there's just, oh, it's, yeah, you could just be all mounted. What if we got only left? thing We've it looks like is that you got to take at least one unit of peasants and then you just take bowmen because they're actually not bad. Oh, that's right. You could have one unit, you stick them behind the, 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 the fence. You put the stakes in, the they're stakes fine. In. Yeah, and then the rest of it just goes marching out give forward. Them, give them their fire arrows, like they'll actually take some things out for you. Uh, questing knights have first charge, but not. Counter charge. And they have Bretonian war horses too. They just don't have counter charge. They're they're uh they're pretty good. They've got a weapon skill of five, strength four, base. Um they got great weapons. Uh they can take a knightly virtue for the for the the, the champion in the unit, the paragon. Mm-hmm. So their war horses have barding. Yeah, and they have heavy armor shields. So you're looking at a three-up save. They're pretty good. But then you get to the Grail Knights, and you're like, oh, okay, everybody else's suck. Weapon skill six, strength four, tough four, initiative five, two attacks apiece, leadership nine. 38 points. 
they're hefty. Add 21 for your command unit. Uh, they do get a knightly virtue. Uh, the Grail Guardian can take it. Um, you can have a magic standard with these guys. We haven't talked about the magic standards, but the Grail Knights can have one of the magic standards. So can the Questing Knights, and they're pretty cool. But the Grail Knights are all living saints. <laughs> yes, and if you try to put them in lands formation and go up to 10, it's going to cost you a quarter of your army. Yeah. For this insane. But they are brutal. The thing is, with all... Oh, it's just... Oh, it's so good. They're so tough. But anyways, let's get back to like actually getting into an order on this, because we have to... Oh. Living Saints, guess what? Every model in that Grail Knight unit can accept and declare challenges. Because they're all, basically all champions. They're basically all heroes, yeah. Uh, And then there's the Peg Knights, which are also awesome. They can fly 10 inches. And you're flying in on a Pegasus, and a Barded Pegasus sometimes. Yeah, it is a Barded Pegasus, so it's really good. Um and then the only other unit we haven't talked about is the trebuchet, which is still awesome. I love the trebuchet. It's only got a three-inch template. The thing under the hole takes a strength 10 hit at AP minus four and multiple wounds D3 plus one. Everybody else takes a strength five hit at AP one. Uh, field trebuchets are cool. It can't move. It can pivot. It's not moving anywhere. It's a trebuchet. <laughs> and that thing's always been pretty tough. So there we go. Okay. AP4 on the direct hit. It's <laughs> This is dumb. Strength 10 AP4. It's a trebuchet. It is throwing a giant boulder, and that guy under the circle is, t- is the one guy taking that hit. D3 plus one wounds. <laughs> it's going to devastate you. It's going to drop most characters. <laughs> so we talked about knightly virtues. You know, what we haven't talked about is the magic items, and I think that's it. And the magic standards. Where but those magic might be standards? in the magic Oh, items. that's in the magic items. Okay, so that's it. Magic items, and we're done with the basics. And then we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk in the other book, and then we'll take a last break and go home. All right, magic weapons. Oof, they, run, they range all over the place. Now, remember, if a magic item has an asterisk next to it, you can take as many as you want. Now, I don't think you're going to see that in the in these specific armies. I think that's more in the in the big rule book. But what kind of special Extremely magic items? Extremely common magic item. Yes. Uh, now, <sighs> magic weapons. They've got four or five. Um, I mean, some of them are simple. Sword of Heroes is sixty points, right? And no AP, just your regular strength. But it's magical, and it's got Monster Slayer. Um, and when making it to wound roll with the Sword of Heroes, a five up is always a wound regardless of the target's toughness. They can't make it worse than a five up. Perfect. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, they've got the Heartwood Lance, strength plus three, AP three, magical attacks can only be used uh, in during the charge. So... That's the only thing for an expensive thing that's a lance. It's a, here you go, Morning Star. Morning Star of Frecassee. Strength one, AP one, magical attacks, 
any magic weapon carried by an enemy model that suffers one or more unsaved wounds from the Morning Star of Freons uh, or Fracassay uh, is destroyed and cannot be used for the remainder of the game. That might be worth 40 points. Strength plus one, AP minus one. Not bad. Yep. Uh, regen five for 60 points. Now, the Gromril Great Helm I like because that is not armor. That's a different it's got, helmet. It's got the word Gromril in it, so you're well, already on board. But it gives you another one to your armor. And you can reroll all ones, natural ones on your armor save roll. But so if you've got a heavy armor and a shield, you've gone to five to four, and the barded horse gives you a three. This could put you at a two. This puts you at a two. Put that on Rerolling your, ones. Rerolling ones for nat, or natural ones, yes. Um, the talismans are cool. One makes you immune to poison attacks. That's um, neat. Yep. I don't know if I've seen anything like that before. Yeah, just bear is immune to poison attack special rule. Oh, the here's an interesting thing. Someone there was a question. I don't know if it was in the FAQs or in, in the rules or something. But uh, so po- it was. It was in the FAQs. So poison attacks sixes automatically wound. Yes. Okay. If you have uh, what is the armor? Not armor piercing, but the um, the special rule. The armor. Uh, what is it called? Um, armor bane. Mm-hmm. Armor Bane wound rolls to wound rolls of six. Like Armor Bane one, it adds one to the AP for that roll. So if you're an AP two already Mm -hmm. and you roll a six to wound, the Armor Bane makes it AP three, right? Poison, sixes to hit means you don't, you auto wound. Mm -hmm. So the FAQ came in. I thought this was interesting. He said, how does that work? Well, if you don't roll to wound... You, you didn't roll. You, you don't get armor. Yeah, bane. you didn't roll a six. But That's what it sounds like you can choose to not take the poison, the auto wound, and roll the wound, hoping to get the six. Now, if ah, you ha, ha, ha. well, that's interesting because I often make that choice. I just forget I have poison. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Easy peasy. But this way, but now if you miss with that auto wound, it's still a miss. But because you get, you can basically choose. Whether you want to take the poison and the auto hits, or if you want to try to roll yeah. and get that armor bane, so I thought that was a cool little little thing there. Um, what else? Oh, conqueror's tapestry. This is a magic standard I like. Any enemy standard captured by a unit carrying the conqueror's tapestry is worth a hundred victory points as a trophy of war. So normally, I think the banners of regular banners I think are worth either twenty five or fifty. If this unit that's gets, pretty cool. If this unit gets a banners worth hundred, if it gets multiple banners, they're each worth a hundred. That's kind of a cool. That's pretty crazy, actually. And I like the the cheap twenty point banner. Enemy units cannot stand and shoot. Against the banner of Chalon. Yep. Um. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What else we got? Enchanted item. Awestruck enemies are unable to tear their gaze away from the magnificent banner. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that is fun. okay. Enchanted items: the Falcon Whore of Fredmund. Okay, I like this one. During the command subphase of your turn, if there's any non-engaged, if they are not engaged in combat, 
This character can use the falcon horn by making a leadership test using his own unmodified leadership, okay? If it's passed until the, your, your next start of turn phase, enemy units cannot use their fly special rule. That's pretty cool. Yeah. If I'm not in combat, I can blow the horn, and none of y'all can fly, which means you can't pass over other units. You can't pass over everything. You got to treat it like you're on the ground like everybody else. If I'm against a lot of flyers, that would be a really cool thing. I don't know how useful it is like at a tournament. Yeah, that's a good point. But it's pretty cool. I like the five-point extremely common magic item here. The Gauntlet of the Duel. Challenges issued by the bear of the Gauntlet of the Duel cannot be uh, refused. And the, you just throw down, you throw down your glove. You every, literally threw down the gauntlet. I would put that on every single champion who could take it. Well, <laughs> literally every champion that can take stuff, you can give them five. Every single one of them would have Extremely common, yes. We're, we're always, at, we're, we're dueling every single round of combat. Like, I'm going to make it such a pain. The Sacrament of the Lady is an extremely common arcane item. 30 points, though. Single use. Uh, Use it before making a casting roll and get a plus two to the modifier. This doesn't actually change the roll. So uh, if you roll double ones, you're still... This doesn't change that at all. Yeah, miscast is still a miscast. But uh, plus two to your cast for 30 points. I don't know how worth it it is, but you never know. Um... Is that everything? Well, it looks like to be most things. Yeah. Okay, so that's everything from the Kingdom of Britonia list from Forces of Fantasy. When we come back, we're going to talk Kingdom of Britonia. We've got some of their lore going in and then some of the cool special things that they can do. Harrison, I'm going to kind of give you some of the lore and you can just pipe in on all the stuff that you want to pipe in on. But they really, and they've really tied up a lot of their stuff with what goes on around the border princes and with uh with um with the tomb kings and so this expanded story of what's going on with them in the time i think is going to be really interesting when we get back there's always something happening at grognards that's right friends grognard games in roselle illinois the premier stop for your gaming needs in Northeast Illinois. If you're in the Chicagoland area, if you're in Southeast Wisconsin, if you're anywhere in the area, Grognards is the place for you. They've got board games. They've got card games. They've got all the models you could ever want for any of your miniature war games. They have so many lines of paints, I can't even keep track of it. They've expanded the store. They have a whole huge gaming area now. There is gaming every night there is always something going on i just can't tell you enough about grognards why because they're awesome because they're fantastic and because they are the best friendly local gaming store that i know of so do yourself a favor come on down to grognards in roselle illinois if you can't get down to grognards give them a call they do mail order they do shipping You can get your stuff from them whether you live five minutes away or five hours away because Grognards delivers. 
They deliver the goods. They deliver the fun. They deliver everything. And that's because there is always something happening at Grognards. We're back. Okay. Um, so let's get into the Arcane Journal. Man, I really enjoyed this. I really hope you like the aesthetics of medieval France. <laughs> it really leans into that. And if it's not medieval France, it's just Arthurian legend, which is also mostly medieval France. Which, you know, if you're listening to this, that probably shouldn't be all that much of a surprise, but... I mean, I love it, so I'm very much on board with this. Yeah, it's really I'm I'm excited for um for this actually. So let's start with the lore because they're really setting up the lore to set up because you get a few extra special characters and some special rules and some special ways to design your army, which is really neat. Now it starts off with the land of Bretonia. Once the elves lived here. When they were over in the in the in the in the in this part of the world in the olden days, uh, basically during the War of the Beard, they got their butts kicked and got sent back. We don't talk about that, but that's what happened. Uh, we don't talk about that. They the dwarves attacked these places. Um, the places were kind of leveled. The elves left. The dwarves went back to the mountains, and now you've got just this barren lands here that have all been destroyed by battle right centuries later this is now a wilderness okay who's running around here orcs and the primitive the more primitive forms of humans okay of the little warring human tribes and the orc things the bretoni uh basically emerges the most powerful and for centuries, they win battle after battle, just securing the lands, getting the area, keeping it safe. The Bretoni just keeps spreading out, conquering and, and taming everything around them. Okay. Except they don't tame somebody. Yeah. I mean, the orcs always come back and new things come. But There's and, always orcs. Yeah. But they're taking over everything. Now, here's the thing. Even while this is going on, um, you know, they spread out. They've got these larger tribes. They're trying to build up some sort of civilization. They're not a warrior tribe anymore. A lot of these people don't want to be warriors. They're learning to farm. They're learning to make food. Like they want to, they want to be something other than human versions of orcs. You know, I mean, and that's not a bad thing to be, you know, motivated toward. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that I speak for all all of Garage Hammer, but I do speak for myself when I say war is bad and we should try to not do that. Uh so uh, except on the tabletop when it's really, really good. Uh, that is true, but generally speaking Oh no, I mean I'm not up here saying let's start a war. But like it makes sense, you know. Why, I mean, we should probably let's settle down. We don't have to be warring all the time, especially with, you know, all these brave Bretoni out defending the land. And that's and that's what it comes down to is eventually um, some of them decide, well, you know, we still some of us have to fight and we're going to. OK, so the guys who are the biggest, the broadest, the toughest, 
they live as warriors, okay? They're constantly armed, ready to defend against the rampaging enemies. And while they're spending the time either practicing warfare with other knights or going out there and actually fighting warfare, um, everybody else, the non-warriors, are making sure that these guys have enough food and have weapons and have everything. These guys are focused on becoming killing machines, and everything they need is being taken care of by the rest of the people who are wanting them to be killing machines. Exactly. It seems pretty good. They're like, I don't want to fight. I'll pay you to fight, and we'll take care of you. And Money more can than be exchanged for, for goods and services. Yeah. But they're, they're keeping them in weapons and keeping them in... in every, it's really weird. It's like, you see this, you got the peasants and these lords and stuff, but it's like, the way it started here was they're like, we are happy to keep you supplied as long as you keep us safe. Um, the guardians of the Bretoni grew broad of shoulder and strong of limb, for they dined on the richest meat and f- finest wine. They grew wealthy, uh, and tall watchtowers grew into stone keeps. So uh, their conquest, the, the, more they, the more they saved, the more brave things they did, the better well-known they were. The more the people wanted to shower them with stuff. And so you get this. And the more people who came to live under their protection. Exactly. So then, in time, these warriors started to take on leadership roles. As the places got larger and these people were farming and doing their stuff and these guys are protecting them, now somebody's got to settle disputes. Now somebody's got to do. Who are you going to ask? The other farmer next door or the knight who's keeping us safe? So eventually the knights just sort of start leading the place. And everybody was happy. This is the weirdest part of this. Like the society breaks into two parts. It's a warrior society that starts to grow and and, and have villages and things. And some of them are like, look, I'm just not really a warrior. I'll make all the food and take care of stuff. You keep the war going. And see a lot of them, and it seems like now it's getting to become a majority of them. Are just like yeah, you keep it going, and we don't mind keeping you in stocked with everything. Well, I don't you even want. know if it's necessarily you keep the war going, but it's you keep the war out of my backyard. Well, right, right, and that's right. What, that's all I care yeah, about. Yeah, you keep prosecuting that over there. Yeah, and it's it's but it's just crazy how they're just happy to do this. So they take it over, and now well, of course they're happy to do it. It means that their farm isn't getting raided by orcs every other week. But a lot of times when you see this stuff, you see the meat. You, you, it's always the stories of the 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 evil lord of the land who's squeezing the peasants this for their is last Britonia. pennies. This is a land of honor and glory. I know, and it's kind of, this is like that weird, how it's like, oh, in the perfect society, this is how perfect feudal society seems to work, I guess, where the guys on the top are looking out as best they can for the guys on the bottom, and the guys on the bottom are safe and happy to get that stuff and send it up, the the basics. I just, it's great. Um, So, the knights, uh, it says that honor and humility drove them to always be grateful for their lives of privilege. You know, they had a lot of luxury for all the risk they're taking, right? And so they, they create this code of honor, okay? In the time of Guy Le Breton, the code of Bretonia's knights grew in importance, taking on a religious quality under the influence of the Lady of the Lake. So here are the rules for the cold chivalric. Serve the Lady of the Lake, defend the land and those that dwell upon it, protect the weak from the wicked, 
always oppose the enemies of virtue and order. Never give up the fight. Uh, n- to never give up the fight, your foes unvanquished. Never break faith with a friend or ally. Always display honor and courtesy. If you literally stick to that, you're going to be a good person and a good leader. I mean, yeah. In addition to those sacred s- seven sacred tenets, the knights uh, had long chosen to be self-governed, and they uh, and they had the five rules of honor. These rule to these rules, all honest and noble knights must adhere at all times, treating them with as much respect as the tenets of chivalry. What are the five, Harrison? A knight must honor the purity of hand-to-hand combat. An honorable knight must never meet a foe with slings or arrows. A knight must strive to accept every challenge uh, to personal combat. A knight must never draw a sword against a fellow knight, except in trial by combat or tourney. A knight must never submit to being taken captive. And a knight must never retreat in fear, only to replace a shattered lance or retire a wounded mount. <laughs> Yeah, you can only yeah re- retreat because the knights have to retreat to grab another lance and to that, charge yeah, again. Look, like this was written by knights for knights. Yeah. Like they do know the, the the deal. And so this with the you mix these two together and it ensures the knights maintain their personal honor at all times. And it's very important because they are wacko about their honor. It is like beyond like Godfather Mafia nonsense here. These guys are bananas about their honor, and it, I love it. It's, it's what great. They, it's what they have. All right, so um, you get the first Crusades in here with the Code Chivalric. All right, um, vast hosts of knights would cross the mountains bordering Fair Bretonia, crusading deep into the Empire. The border princes and the ba- the border princes is. A region, but I think of all the lords who are exiled there. As I think of them as the princes, as in like lordlings. Those people. These are the lordlings on the border. The border princes. I don't think of that as an area. I mean, that's the area yeah, where it's a, one half a dozen of another. It's just such a weird term because, I, and I realize that's the area that the border princes live on, or the border. But it just seems like a weird thing to be called to me. I just, it just, I don't know why. And, I mean that's kind of, that's kind of how we name things in real life and things like mm-hmm. that. Like Ukraine literally means like the frontier in Russian, and mm-hmm. you know they're frontiersmen who live out there. I guess. So the Crusades are a, are, a, are a noble tradition, and the purpose of them is simple: crush the enemies of Bretonia before they can muster upon their sanctified borders and threaten the humble existence of the peasant masses. Um, there's some really interesting things in here too, what I was reading and I don't know if we'll hit it yet. Um, cause this is all about this stuff. They're like agrarian. Whereas the empire is like sort of getting into that Renaissance. Like the empire is like the German area, but it's like the well, Renaissance. It's like they have like proper cities and things like that. These guys don't grow because they keep this particular lifestyle. Like That's what, they have literal levies. Like they, yeah. those are people living on farms. Like, and they keep to that. And so you try to introduce that stuff, and they don't like it because that messes up. The, they, this like, is their it's, traditions. It's, it's a non. It's a. I don't want to say like non-urbanized, but like, 
Yeah, it, no, it, it doesn't have it doesn't have many large cities. No, it's and got they don't small want. Villages. Then they don't want. That's the thing. They don't want that stuff. We'll get to it in somewhere. I thought it was interesting. Uh, if a knight breaks a rule of honor while under duress, they they seek to redeem themselves. Sometimes they have to undertake a quest or a knightly errand. Um, they might get say go seek the Grail, go slay a dragon. Put them under a service of a knight that is beneath them until they learn humility again and learn from other things like that. Um, Oof. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways. They're the penitent knights, a lot of time they'll cover up their heraldry or something like that so because of their shame, you know, to show that they're doing this. Um, now, if your offenses are really bad, if you break the code really bad, they'll exile you. And exile means you leave here alone and you never come back to Bretonia. And those guys usually wind up dead, forced to wander the old world for the remainder of their days, stripped of their heraldry and titles. And the thing is, they're never spoken of again. Like their names are stricken from the record. If you're exiled, they don't know you. And the, this is the craziest part. The Bretonians love being Bretonians. They love being Bretonians so much that they couldn't picture living or being anywhere else. This is the best place they could be at the best time they could be there. And they honestly believe that. So an, to exile someone like that is the ultimate punishment. It's like almost worse than death, right? But then you get to some of these nights, and this is cool. So if I break the code, if I have to be punished or sent on a quest or do something like that to regain my honor, I can do that. If it's so broken that it can't be redeemed, they can exile me, okay? But if I'm just like, I didn't do anything wrong, or, oh my God, did I just say that? I got to edit that out. Oh my God. <laughs> wow, you did just say that. I did just say that. Oh my, okay. One, thirty, three. Edit the F word. <laughs> but they're like, nope, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, this was somebody else's fault. I'm being framed. Or you guys are purposely misconstruing my actions. You know I'm not wrong. They can say that, and they can just be like, you know what? I choose exile. But then they don't have to go by themselves. They take their whole family. If they have knights beneath them, some of those knights will choose to go with them. And the minute you choose exile to go be on a border princess, which is the rough and tumble side of the of the place here, like there's dangers mm -hmm. all about there, it's going to be a hard existence for you to go there, right? But whatever the honor was that they were that that you were said to have done wrong, instantly fixed. It is fixed. Your name's not stricken from the record. You're not sent out into exile alone. You are like, because they looked and they said, wow, this guy chose to live the rest of his life outside of the greatest place. Like It's like you chose to you, leave Eden. You, that's what exactly what I was going to say. You chose to leave Eden. You like Your honor meant to you so much to you that you wouldn't take. Here it is. Uh, shouldn't I take the exile's vow? And their entire household goes with them, right? They are immediately considered by their peers to have proven their honor. For to willingly leave fair Bretonia and reside in another land is unimaginable to the knightly class. 
So their lands might be forfeit, their good name and noble reputation shall be preserved always, and when they begin their long march into the unknown, accompanied by their closest family, their most loyal retainers and devoted peasant tenants, they're mourned by those left behind with the most profound sincerity. This is the weirdest thing. Well, that's the thing. It's the it's only like, thing more important to them than living in Vertonia is their own honor, and they wouldn't allow themselves to be banished and to have their name dishonored like that. So they chose to leave on their own. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And so now, okay, so there's a lot of description here of the, the different ranges. I mean, they're surrounded on the east and the south by great mountain chain ranges. Um, they've got orcs constantly ravaging through there's different gaps that lead to different places i'm not going through the whole geography you can read that yourself um what's important is that within bretonia wedged between the gray mountains and the vaults the forest of Lorin is there now it does say that the realm of athelorin is there and um that's basically the wood elves or in here because they keep not saying the wood elves for some reason in this part um when after when the when all the elves were called home during the sundering and everyone had to come home and help out, some people were like, nah, we've lived here forever. We haven't been there in forever. We don't consider ourselves. They stayed there. And those became so the high elves were the ones at home who went home. The dark elves are the ones who split. And the wood elves are the ones who said, you know what? I'm not interested in any of your politics. We're just going to stay here in the forest. We like it here. Yeah, we're just going to hang out in the trees, guys. Plus, you had to hide out because that was the one place that dwarfs didn't go too much. So, so uh, and it says here, although the king of Bretonia claims sovereignty over the forest, it's really a realm unto itself ruled over by the elves. So it's a little pocket realm inside their realm that, yeah, it's inside their realm. And you, yeah, you own it. But you know, you notice, you know, it's like that thing that you own that you never use. You, you're gonna, you can say you I own don't it. Go there. Long, you're not gonna come here. You're not gonna demand tithe or whatever. You, you can say you own it. You can put that on your maps. Fine. Yep. So let's see. They got a bunch of other forests. They talk about the walled. Oh, here it is. The walled towns of Bretonia are much smaller than the great cities of the empire, since most of the population lives in the countryside because they're all farmed. This is like old school, early stuff that I teach my humanities. They students. live in like old France. <laughs> There's villages, and they put a wall around it. So if raiders come, everybody can run from their farms inside the walls, which. And I know I must have said this on the show at least once because this is one of those fun facts that I just love to repeat. But the word city was that what you called a, was the name and actually meant wall. So if you lived in a village, you had a village, and if you lived and it grew to where you needed protection, you built a city around your village. And then people say, where do you live? Do you live out in the and the farms? No, I live in the city because you're inside the walls. And eventually, living in the city, the walls took the name of the actual location. That's some, that's some early like five hundreds, six hundreds English language shift. Wow, this is what happens when you teach English and humanities. It's just a, it's a weird mix sometimes. Anyway, so uh, they're much smaller because. They 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 like this. They they retain this style. There are few craftsmen and little industry because everything a knight needs can be made by the subjects. Why do I need stuff to be cranked out? Why do I need stuff better? We have smiths. They can make my armor. We have the best smiths because they love me. Yeah. 
Um, they talk about the different towns. Harrison, could you pronounce the different towns here? You took French. Uh, Couron, Paravon, Brion, Canel, Bordelot. Okay, so Canel, Bordelot. Oh, the Bordelot one I really like. Uh, though tightly. Bordelot conf- just sounds nice to say. Bordelot is still the largest port in Bretonia. Uh, the town is held in awe and suspicion in equal measure because the cosmopolitan major means outsiders come there for trade and merchants from realms that occupied this. These districts are separated from those of the humble Bretonians by portcullis gates, lest the strange ways of the outsiders corrupt the simple minds of humble peasants. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love this. I really do. Uh, Coron has uh, Lou and Orkslayer leaves there. Now, okay. Coron is the capital of Bretonia, though the present king uh, just lives in his ancestral home in Brion. <laughs> I mean, when you're the king, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm just living here. Um, Canel still has a lot of the of original elfish architecture. It wasn't destroyed. So they just talk a little bit about that. We get to Bretonian heraldry. Um, it's really, okay. So the Duke has a herald, and all the knights that live in his dukedom or that section of, you know, of, uh, you know, whatever Duke owns it, they all wear his particular heraldry, right? And you can look at the different, details like when they look they show you these different types of shields to show you what type of you can tell what type of uh uh rank they have based on the types of shields and if a if a knight raises far enough through the chivalric ranks their own heraldry will evolve to replace that of their lord this begins with redrawing of the fields or altering of hues or modifying or changing the devices. This is why you can have every knight in your unit be different if you want it to, but still be the same army. As these different families get on these different board with different different symbols. Um, plus, with the questing knights, they and go of on. Of course, I mean, like mm-hmm. they're all they're all like they're knights. They're all yeah. families and things like that. And especially in a place like Bretonia, where you basically find a new hill and make yourself a prince. Yeah, and when you get a bunch of Grail Knights, those are knights from all over different places that have gone and done the Grail quest. So you got, or unless they're on the Grail quest, but I thought they were in big units. So they, that's why you get all these different heraldry and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of really cool information about their uniforms and the colors of chivalry. I love this stuff. We still have somewhere, and I think it's over on the shelves over there, is the heraldry of the Empire, heraldry yes. of the High Elves, and heraldry of the Skaven. We've got all three of those books. And every time I see bits like this, um, but I like how they go and they change the stuff and they even talk about the exiles. Okay. So wars in the border princes, we've still got some more story to go here. Um, just a couple more pages and then we're going to get to some of the cool stuff that they've got. So here's what happens. Okay. Uh, the war, the inspiration for the Holy quest came by portents ushered by a mysterious courtier and a half and and a half, uh, in the hall of an exiled knight who told of the resurrection of an ancient and powerful tomb king, Septa, the Amaranthine. So, you know, they start basically, they, they realize that the that the tomb kings might be coming, right? Um, the Breton- He doesn't like the Bretonians. They've already done stuff. Uh, they've been attacked before. They fought the, the tomb kings. They've killed some tomb king, you know, 
you know, Lord characters and things. Yeah, you know, as you do. So now Cetra's like, oh, you got to die. Okay. So his plan. So you got this guy coming, the Vanguard. This is not Cetra. Cetra's army's coming. Here he's sending the first army, which is the small one, the Vanguard army, right? What do you do? Burn everything to the ground. You don't have to kill everybody. Just rage through. Let them keep running ahead of you. Burn and destroy everything on your way and send them fleeing in terror. So when they show up at the next town begging for help and that the monsters are coming, they're sowing terror. It's a pretty good plan. Okay. Um, however, the he, this Prince Proletor, whatever his name is, he comes in. He does not expect this much resistance from the Bretonians because here comes the border princes, exile lords who come flying in with this. Um, and here's the thing. A lot of the guys who were exiled, okay, what gets you exiled? Not wanting to perform some sort of penance. What causes you penance? Fear in battle, things like that. Fighting the undead. Think about it. They broke and ran or something like that. The border princes have fought tomb kings before. At least a lot of them have. And so one of these this here is they show up and these guys are like, no, we know. Take out the wizards and everything else dies. And they know it. And it's like, okay. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It also probably doesn't hurt the fact that the Lady of the Lake probably, you know, may have given them a pointer or two. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Absolutely. So maybe one of her handmaidens. They go in there and they're doing damage, but it's still destroying everything. Okay, um, everyone who rode in to say to save this place when when this prince fir- when Prince Pelator first showed up at the vanguard, they lost, and he's riding through. Okay, um, now what gets cool is they've got this Sir Cecile Gaston. Is that it, Harrison? Under the red hand, Sir Cecile Gaston. Um. The Red Hand Rides is the second line. Yes. 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 Uh, they call him the Worm Slayer. Okay. He just calls everybody and says, go. And he sends someone to the king saying, listen, these guys are coming in. You need to send help. I know we're the border princes and we're exiled. You may want to. <laughs> this, is, this is a heads up. We're, this is in good faith here. His guy gets there and guess what's happening? A wa on the northern borders has come through, and the king has and well, you know Murphy's law. The king has taken everybody there. So guess what? There isn't backup. Well, you know, when it rains, yeah. So you know, uh, the king, the dukes uh, of Gisro, Artois, and Coron into a conflict with that. So. The Duke Castile, okay, the Red Hand of Brion, uh, he just declared an errantry crusade. <laughs> Said, I'm declaring a crusade, and people came. I mean, if you, if it works, it works, right? He rides out with the Lady Elise, uh, who's a, a prophetess, uh, and here comes, the, and th- here's the thing. They're fighting this off, and they find out Cetra's coming, and Cetra's going all the way down river to Matoria, right? 
And so he's like, oh, no. So he knew that the first guy was going there, but to fight the vanguard. And now he's like, no, that's just the vanguard. Cetra's coming. So now he's like, we've got to do something, right? They don't know where to go. So now they've got to split up. Guys have to go in different directions. Everybody's got to figure out what they're happening. They're fighting against stuff. So then you get the first battle at the Citadel. You know, he's, uh, they go, there's all this. I mean, this is such a great story. All right. Uh, the Lich Priest, Nefercare, uh, the, the Bretonians come in and start kind of attacking. They, they, they can find the Lich Priest. He's on the big bone dragon, you know, the new model. Yeah. They see darkness around it and lots of uh, stuff and, and smoke and cl- it's like, okay, they can tell this is the bad <laughs> There's spot. the necromancy. Got it. <laughs> so they start just shooting arrows at everything around it, going at it, going at it. And like the, the undead have been, you know, they're, they've been focused on where they've been told to go. Eventually he realizes it's coming and they start, it's kind of like the Borg. They're just ignoring mm-hmm. them until someone realized, oh no, okay, go take care of this, right? So they're coming. Uh, and Lady Elise apparently is really good at magic. And I like how they describe this. He's sending undead magics out and she's unraveling them. And one of the things they describe with this character, it's interesting, even in her background, she's so adept at the magic that she, when you're trying to cast stuff, she, her, I mean, it's I, basically it's like her way of dispelling. She unravels the magic you did, but it doesn't just take it apart. She collects it all and then sends that busted magic back at you, mm-hmm. which is a really kind of neat thing. Um, so then he goes after her, and before he could get there, this was all a distraction. There's the there's the priestess disabling his magic. Here comes the Lord on a peg. <laughs> that 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 helps. <laughs> um, he comes riding his in royal with the spear. Pegasus. Yeah, he comes in riding in with the spear. Um, the dragon's head snaps around and is killed. Basically, they both die. But. They took out the necromancer. They the, did the whatever the priest is hierophant. Yeah. Oh, it, uh, near fatally wounded. The duke and the Pegasus are near fatally wounded while they're lying there. Um, you know, he killed the what is he? The shriveled heart of his enemy. Prince Polator held the sentry's oil blade in preparation to strike down on the injured duke, and that's when the lady went and just. Throw a big wind of magic at him, just w- like elemental wind magic, knocked him on his butt. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the there's the Lord. He just oh, he was hit with the poison breath from the from the bone thing. He's laying there. He's like, and he starts praying to the lady, and all of a sudden he's like healed, <laughs> like Percy Jackson jumping in a lake. I mean, the lady of the lake will do that for you. Uh, and so basically. He gets up and he's going to fight. The duel seemed lasted for for what seemed an eternity. Um, but the thing is, they killed the hierophant. <laughs> They've killed his other magic users, and the prince eventually doesn't have anyone backing him up to heal him while he's fighting. So they drop him, and that's awesome. Uh, meanwhile, the worm slayer won won a war of attrition with the undead. Yeah. Um, now, the Worm Slayer had already begun making preparations to meet the undead armies. Long had he hoped he would one day return to the good graces of those he used to serve. So here, this guy is just like, 
this guy's a border prince, right? He's an exile prince, one who chose exile. And he lives out there, and he's got his servants. He also, he, this is another interesting thing. As they start talking about it, he opens up the coffers, starts hiring mercenaries and, like, criminals and stuff. And guys with weird black powder weapons and stuff. Because he's like, look, I can't get in any more trouble. We need to, we need to not die. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't want, I'm not, I refuse to die. And my reputation, I mean, I can't really get in more trouble. I'm exiled. So they're willing to. What work are you going to do? Guys. Banish me again? Exactly. Uh, it's a, it, he was his honor was tarnished enough that fighting with such questionable company would do little to damage it further. And um, so you got other dukes and knights are riding towards the border princess. Other guys have found out that the the errantry that was called. They don't even have all this going on. Everybody's coming together at the same time. Not everybody knows who's there. Um. But so they're all basically heading out to the same place. Everybody is heading to this place. Um, and I like that they get there and news of the larger undead fleet is coming, commanded by Cetra, and everybody just starts running. Um, when this takes off running. When Sir Cecile the Worm Slayer gets there, he finds out, you know, he just walks in and people are panicking. Nothing seems to be going on. He's like, what's happening? Grab it. Uh, no one seems to be in control. So he takes charge. He just takes charge. What's going on? I need to. Uh, basically, the defenses are crumbling. Entire regiments have run with the refugees because they're like Cetra's coming. Running is our only option. Uh, he jumps in, stops all that stuff, closes the doors. Within a week, they're pretty well defended. He's got everything going again. This guy's pretty cool. Yeah, you know. Um, and then. They're waiting for the uh, waiting for the fleet to show up. They've done everything they can. They're just going to try to hold Cetra, but they're praying. I hope somebody is going to come because you know they're all gone. So as this is happening, news of the Duke's victory at the Citadel and their in- imminent arrival at uh, Matoria was a most welcome relief. And here, oh look, they've got battle plans to play the Battle of Matoria. You got a little defendable position, a smaller place. You've got the. Um, and you've just got, basically, they give you the deployment and how to win the victory. Uh, the main force and the rescue force, the sizes it should be, the attacker size. Ideally, it's Bretonians against Tomb Kings, but as they said, you could play anything. Lots of really nice pictures here, by the way. Yeah, there's a map of the actual, like, war path yes. through, uh, through Bretonia, and it's really cool. And give them credit, man. They just plowed through stuff. I mean, when you're undead, it's pretty easy. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the path that the that the Bretonians took all the way from all these different places to get to Matoria to defend it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. They're coming. They're defending the cities. They're stopping the vanguard guys who's supposed to scare them. They're getting there. They're really stopping stuff. And then they give you a battle if you want to play it out. Now we get to the exiled lords. So they talk here a bit about outcast nobility. So exiles are often spoken of fondly. Uh, that's the exile's vow. Now, the, the ones who are really tossed, basically, they it says here, they invariably, invariably fall in with worse company, attracting the companyship of brigands, cutthroats, and mercenaries. Now, some exiled knights who are exiled because they actually went bad sort of become mercenary 
pirate king type people because they've got all these skills. I mean, yeah, that is basically what you would expect to have happen. Uh, One thing that that unites all expatriated members of the Bretonian nobility, honor of questionable measure. Yeah. Uh, Outcast by definition, knights without honor, one set free from constraints of the coach of Ulrich. Um, Some completely adhere to the code when they get out there just to prove it. Some don't. But basically... Many in exile has earned the right to return to their homeland through acts that were committed by chivalrous peer. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, basically, um, you can restore your honor out there and sometimes be welcome home. And your honor is restored and you're allowed to come home. And the things you did in that battle to get there would have gotten a regular knight who wasn't in trouble in trouble. <laughs> Yeah. Well, like here, he's hiring guys with guns and cannons and stuff. That would get you in trouble normally associated with those guys. But, uh, but if this guy just if this guy beats Setra when Setra's army shows, that that's probably gonna get him back in the good graces. And when that happens, when you saved the country, no one's gonna wonder, okay, but that unit had guns over there. Did you really let, like that that see and that yeah, I think that's funny. Exactly. They're like, you know what? Sometimes it's, sometimes the ends do justify the means. Yeah. It it, it does. And it cracks me up because that's called the limits of chivalry. Like, okay. When you're out there, this can happen. All right, so let's talk about this. So we've talked all about the Bretonian exiles and the princes in exile. You can have a Bretonian exile army. This is cool. This All right. Cool. Now, a couple of things. Um, barons and paladins within a Bretonian exiles army cannot have the Grail vow. Okay. However, the following characters and units can replace the knight's vow with the exiles vow for free. Okay. So you can replace your vow with the exile vow. Baron, paladin, knights of the realm on foot, knights errant, mounted knights of the realm, and peg knights. Now, what is the exiles vow? This is a chivalrous vow, but it's not the it is not the knight's vow or the questing vow or the grail vow okay um a model with this vow has stubborn and veteran so the first time they have to break they can just fall back in good order and they reroll leadership tests uh in addition they don't make panic tests when a friendly unit with either levy or peasantry is destroyed while within six inches or when it's fled through a friendly unit with either levies or peasantry special rules so Basically, that's basically the knight's vow, that basic level. They don't yeah. flee, uh, but they get stubborn and veteran. Um, you cannot pray for the blessing of the lady at the beginning of the game. You're in exile. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So you are choosing to not go in with the six-up, possibly five-up ward save. or re- Yeah, or is it regen save? Um, you can't pray for it. However... Should okay, now if you have the blessing of the lady special rule, which some units do, right? Um, if you overrun or make contact with a fleeing unit during a charge or pursuit move, that unit will immediately gain the benefit. So if you overrun something, Harrison, you get you earn the blessing. Yes. Um, additionally, if a character with the Blessing Lady Special Rules, kills an enemy character in a challenge, they and any unit they have joined will immediately get the Blessings of the Lady. However, if you lose them through the through declining a challenge or um, 
fleeing, then you lose it and you can't get it again. So basically, yeah. it's very hard to earn the lady's respect because you're in exile. You're in but, exile. That makes sense. It should be that way. But you win a challenge. And then she's like, okay, you're pretty good. Or you run down a unit and get that fleeing unit and get that banner. Okay, you're pretty good. You know? I like that. That's a special. So what is the army list? Okay, first of all, you can have a BSB. Um, you can take magic items from this book or from the, the main Bretonian list. Okay. Um, you don't have any dukes, by the way. So, Harrison, you get one baron per thousand points, up to one baron per thousand points. You can have up to one damsel, and the rest paladins, outcast wizards, and sergeant at arms. So, it's all the lower yeah. class. It's not no prophetess. So, you're already playing with at best a level two wizard and uh, a baron. You still got to take a unit of knights on the realm on foot or a mounted. You still got to take a yeoman guard or peasant bowman, just like before. And errant one unit uh, up to one unit of errant knights per 1,000 points. Uh, also, men at arms and mounted yeoman count as core. So you've got more options there. But your specials can only be 33% of your army, and so can rare, 33%. Um, squires and peg knights, a unit of battle pilgrims, one unit of battle pilgrims per thousand points. So that's stuff we've seen. Uh, questing knights and border princes brigands in the rare. Oh, what's that? A field trebuchet for every thousand points and a border princes bombard per thousand points. Do you know what that is, Harrison? I do not. It's a cannon. It actually mm. says in the book here, you can just use a dwarf cannon or an empire cannon because they don't actually have a model for it, I don't think. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> so they get a cannon. Uh, and then free core, free company militia and empire archers you can take as mercenaries. So you could bring in empire units into this. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> So that basically gives you all of the rules for the Bretonian exiles. And we'll get to what those uh, unit types are in a minute. Now, here, let me look because uh, we've got a few characters. Here's what we'll do. The exiles. So what are the cool things? First of all, they got outcast wizards. It's only 45 points for an outcast wizard. He's a level one wizard. Uh, they know spells from one of the following lords, battle magic, demonology, dark magic, basically six, six of the magic spells they could pick, which I think is pretty cool. You can put them on a war horse. You can boost them to a level three wizard, and they can buy 75 points worth of magic items. So I think that's pretty rad. That is really cool. You know, because, I mean, you can make him stronger if you need to, and, I mean, for, for an exiled one, it's pretty cool. They have this untutored arcanist. When required to roll in the miscast table, you must roll an extra D6 and discard the highest. Did you hear that? Sorry, no. Could you repeat that? Okay. When they have to roll in the miscast table, they roll three dice and discard the highest number. That's really okay. But they're outcast wizards that were untrained. That's crazy. Okay. Yep. Um... Yeoman Guard is a core unit. They've got weapon skill of three for five points. You can give them halberds for free if you don't want the hand weapons. They can get pole arms. And pole arms have two options. Fight in an extra rank with no strength bonus and no AP. Or take them double-handed, 
strength one, AP one, and requires two hands. But then you get that bonus, right? So you got to pick a profile when you do it. Yeoman Guard can take a Grail Monk, which counts as uh, an extra champion, like in the uh, you've, we've heard about them before. Mm-hmm. He can take the Blessed Triptych. But so the Yeoman Guard are just better. They're like actual soldiers almost. I mean, when you got to live out in the middle of nowhere. They don't have, yeah, they don't have all the, as much of the presence, peasants. They got some Yeoman. Um, the Border Prince Brigands, these guys uh, are not bad either. Regular infantry, hand weapons and light armor. They can get hand weapon, extra shield, but they have pistols and blunderbusses and crossbows. Your champion is even called a desperado because you are brigands. That's crazy. Um, You can replace open order with close order for free or with skirmishers for free. One unit per thousand, thousand points in the army. So you could, they're, and they're open order, but you can put them into close order. Uh, so this is pretty, that's, it's a pretty cool, the blunderbuss, range 12 inches, strength 3, AP 1, multiple shots, D3, and volley fire. Oof. That's just rough. Yeah. And then they tell you, once again, representing this unit in your games. I think it's interesting that Games Workshop is putting out units that they don't have models for right now. Because I thought that stuff all ended after the, that. Yeah. I'm very surprised. I mean, they tell you what you they well. tell you. Look, the, you can use these models from our line to do this to represent this. You know, like here, uh, painted in the heraldic colors of their employer or featuring components from other kits. Both Bretonian men at arms and Empire militia are ideal for brigands. Makes sense. Border Prince Bombard, literally accompanied by crew models taken from Empire war machines. Both the Empire and Dwarf cannon represent this mercenary weapon. So the Border Prince Bombard, basically, um, strength 8, AP 3, range 48 inches. Mm-hmm. Armor Bane 2, so 6 is to wound. Uh, it makes it 5 AP. Mm-hmm. Uh, cannon fire, cumbersome, mover shoot, multiple wounds, D3 plus 1. It fires like a cannon, but it's got its own mi- miscast table. Okay, On a 1, it explodes. Well... That's what happens. On a two to three, this is great. It misfires, terminally inconveniencing one of the crew and knocking the war machine over. So the cannon blows up wrong, kills one of the crew, and then falls on its side. So it doesn't get to shoot this time, and it doesn't get to shoot on the next turn, because next turn you get to pick it up. And then the turn after that, it gets to fire. Nice. Uh, Four and five, the fuse goes out. (laughs) You can fire next turn. You basically, it just didn't go out. Number six, it shoots this turn as if a two had been rolled on the artillery dice. So wherever you picked your spot, it went two rather than a misfire. However, it will take some time to write the toppled gun. You So number six, you do get to shoot this turn with a crappy first roll, uh, and then but you don't get to shoot the next turn because they're fixing the gun. Which is interesting. Yeah, but this is, I mean, this is cool. These are all new units uh, to be in the exiles because, as it said, they'll hire weird people. Okay? Now, we've covered almost everything in this book. We're getting close to it. I want to get through a few more things, though. Um, There is an entry. Now, they talk about the First Crusade back in 1448. Uh, Estalia had been invaded by enemies and faced certain defeat, okay? 
Now, there were some in the Bretonians, dukes and barons, that didn't want to go that far to defend distant... You know, they, they, they are kind of isolationist at times, right? Uh, their views were quickly changed when King Louis the Righteous granted the grandmasters of several knightly orders from the empire permission to cross his lands to Astalia. Because the empire's like, we need to save it. And he said, okay, we trust you. You can move through there. So now the empire is moving through their lands to defend something on the other side of their lands that these guys didn't think it might really be worth defending. So now strangers are defending their border. And now Hmm. all these guys who said, I don't want to go fight, were like, what the heck? Well, here we go. Uh, Ceding to their petitioning in order to protect his own borders, King Louis agreed to send out a call to all knights in his realm who wished the glory of distant lands to muster, okay? So they basically, it's the opportunity to, like, they said they didn't want to go, but then some were like, you know, we can get glory. The code, they start using the code, invoking the code, um, and they're like, come on, if the king, you don't have to go, but let some of us go. So he says, whoever wants to go, and this is the first crusade. And between them and the empire, the, the those bad guys didn't stand a chance. <laughs> Yeah. So Whoopsies. they they come back and the first crusade is a unqualified success. So guess what's going to happen next? We're going to have more crusades. Well, you know, we should have a few more. And now that's basically what happened. Going on a crusade to confront evil evolved into a te- an integral part of the code. Those guys were the first to use this to gain all that sort of glory. But now it's like, if you want to prove yourself as a worthy knight, go out and gain some glory. Go on a quest. Young knights errant are set tasks to prove their worth. Um, now, sometimes there are Bretonian lords who maybe you got a lot of brigands forming on the border. You know some bad guys might be coming in soon. Um, you could use the code... <laughs> In a way that benefits you while still... Uh, I declare an errantry qu- uh, against a crusade against those guys who keep messing with us. Oof. And guys will and young it's knights conv- will join. It's and very convenient. I, I love how that happens. Happen to clear my borders. Um, it's just great. It's so cool. Uh, and so then, guess what? You can grow on an errantry crusade army. Um. So, what are their special like, crusading knights? When an errantry crusade within an errantry crusade army, certain characters have the crusaders' zeal special rule, and we'll go over that in a minute. In addition, any of the following characters or units that have the knight's vow may replace it with the crusaders' vow. Okay. So once again, all the characters: Bar- Baron, Paladin, Knight of the Realm on Foot, Battle Pil- oh, Battle Pilgrims, Knights Errant, Mounted Knights, Questing Knights, Grail Knights, Peg Knights, Mounted Yeoman. So more than just the knights. And there are no dukes in this. Oh, you can't have a duke in this army, but he doesn't get the errantry crusade. He's just leading. So you can have up to a duke, up to one baron or prophetess per 1,000, and you can have, and you have to have a paladin. That's interesting. One plus paladin. And you can take damsels and sergeant-at-arms, okay? Uh, uh, what's the core? Core is one min- minimum one unit of knights errantry one plus per thousand. So if you have two thousand, you have to have two units of knights errant. Yes. Nice. Yes. 
Zero to One Battle Pilgrims as a core. Knights of the Realm on foot, Squires, and Mounted Knights of the Realm are all core. Men at Arms, Peasant Bowmen, Battle Pilgrims, Questing Knights, Peg Knights are specials. Rare is Grail Knights, Mounted Yeomen, and a Trebuchet. These guys don't now notice none of those new units that we t- no, those were all. The border, those were all for the border princes. Exiles. Yeah. These guys are not exiles, so they don't have any special real units. Um, so let's see. What is zeal? All those units have zeal. Like It's almost every unit they can take and have it. Uh, oh, increases its maximum possible charge range by one inch, and then apply a plus one modifier to their charge roll. In addition, a unit with this special rule gains impetuous. So now on a... They, they have to charge if something's in range unless they roll a four up. Okay, so Harrison... Um, charge rules for the game. Yeah. It's your movement. You roll 2d6, take the largest number. Yeah. Okay, so your maximum charge range, and you can't, you cannot charge out of your maximum range. So if your movement's 5, mm-hmm. your maximum charge range is 11. Yeah. Because that's the highest you can roll. So when you take Crusader's Zeal, you basically get plus 1 to your roll, so your ch- maximum charge range goes up by 1, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Gets a little extra speed, a little extra zip, most of the units. What's the Crusader's Vow? If you want to give up your chivalrous vow, let's see. Um, you're veterans, so you can re-roll leadership tests. You don't take panic tests when peasantry uh, is destroyed and flays through. So peasantry doesn't bother you. Basic, basic vow stuff. Also, you cannot be joined by a character with the peasantry special rule. A character with the chivalrous vow cannot join a unit with the peasantry special rule. So it's... You just get veteran. Yeah. Uh, also, there's earn your spurs. Any enemy captured, any st- enemy standard captured by units of knights errant is worth a hundred victory points. In addition, while within six inches of a friendly model with the Grail vow or any lord of Bretonia, a unit of knights errant can re-roll rolls natural ones to hit. Wow! Wow! So if you've got wow. a Grail vow or any lord within six inches of knights errant. They can reroll ones to hit. Not bad. And spanners they capture are worth a hundred because these are errantry knights. These are the guys who are out there trying to prove their earn your spurs. That's really kind. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, they don't have any special characters though. Uh, for the stuff that's just for the uh, errantry crusade. Now they do list three special characters: the Green Knight. Uh, the Worm Slayer, who we met. Worm Slayer's got a great story, by the way. Uh, yes. He, w- he went out to kill a dragon, and he killed the dragon. And guess what? The lady didn't come and let him drink from the grail, and he got mad. And even when his duke skinned the dragon and made him a dragon skin cloak and stuff just to show his, his honor, he was like a jerk about it. And then he got drunk and challenged some other knight to a duel. And when he lost, he like went to go take a swing at him, and he was walking away. And that got him punished, In all sorts of trouble. And he was just like, "Ah, I was drunk," and so he chose exile. Um, yeah, and so yeah, now he's on a border prince, and this is the guy that weapon skill seven, three wounds. Um, he's got. Uh, special weapons. Uh, should he kill an enemy whose mo- mo- troop type is monstrous infantry, monstrous cavalry, monstrous creature, or behemoth, he gains terror for the remainder of the game. 
That's cool. His dragon hide cloak armor piercing characteristic of any non magical weapon is reduced by two. So all these re- like great weapons to AP two is that magical? No, okay, it's AP zero. You can jump in a lake. I got an armor. Now this guy's a and this guy's a buck sixty five. Yeah, he's pretty cheap actually. Now his weapon sorrows and strength plus one AP one magical attacks monster slayer multiple wounds too. So he's killing small characters. Oh yeah, he's he's pretty cool. Uh, you get Lady Elise who went out and was helping and fighting with them. She's the Doing one who all was, the unmagic. Yeah. Um, She's a level three wizard. She has all sorts of special rules. Arcane black backlash, armor bane two for her um, for uh, Arian deer. The uh, what is that? The horse? Is it a horse? I think it's a horse. Uh, let's see. Armored hide one. It's a unicorn. Oh, okay. Beguiling aura, blessing of the lady, counter charge, lure of the lady, magical attacks, magic resistance two. So, um. All of her dispels or get a or, or that I think that's how it works. She gets plus two to her dispels. Uh, stomp attack, swift stride. Okay, so plus one to all of her dispel rolls for the arcane backlash. In addition, should she roll any natural double while making a dispel roll, not including double ones, the spell is unbound and the casting wizard immediately loses a single wound. So that shows how when she unraveled it and threw the magic back at him. If she rolls doubles to dispel, even a double two, it's dispelled and you take a wound because, pam, I just threw it back I in mean, your face, punk. It's a little less than one out of every six rolls. That is Still. not bad. Yeah. That is not bad at all. No. She's 225. She's more than him, and she's worth every penny. Uh, the chalice, while in the model's command range, enemy characters that attempt to use any special rule or magic item that requires them to make a leadership test, like Rallying Cry, for example, minus two to their leadership characteristic to a minimum of two. Wow. So, yeah, she controls that stuff. Okay. And then, if you wish, she can discard two of her randomly generated spells rather than the usual one and, and take two signature uh, Two signature spells from the lore of elementalism and or the lore of the lady. So she can, like everyone else can discard one to take the special lore of the lady lore. Yeah. She can discard two and either take the signature and one or take just two lore of the lady spells. She's awesome. That's, yeah, she's pretty awesome. And and then, of course, there's the green knight. Saving the best for last, of course. <laughs> Weapon skill seven, strength four, toughness four, four wounds, initiative six, four attacks. Um, he's great. Solid two seventy five. Yeah, when he loses his last wound, he's removed from play, but he's not killed. You can awaken him during any of your start of turn sub phases, using the Guardian of the Sacred Sight special rule. However, each time he is slain, he is weakened. He takes minus one to the dice rolls when attempting to wake uh, and suffers a minus one modifier to the dice roll when attempting to awaken him and a minus one modifier to his wounds characters to a minimum of one. So every time he is slain, he is weakened. Which so makes sense. So it says minus one to the dice roll attempting to awake him. That's not the first time, is it? So he has a five up ward against all wounds. Let's see. What's the Okay, so he's not... 
So he has to be awakened. No, like they explain how to awaken okay. him. It's a different rule. Uh, what's his blade? His You can either choose rapid strikes. You must choose which he will use at the start of each round of combat. Rapid strikes is just normal strength AP1, extra attacks D6. Awesome. So he goes from four attacks to five to ten attacks at base strength one AP. And they're magical, so ethereal doesn't help. Uh, Deadly bows, strength plus two AP1, armor bane one, multiple wounds two. So you get to pick between that. And again, you already get four attacks anyway. Yeah, and and so that'd be four strength six attacks with AP one armor vein two, strength four or attack. armor vein oh. one, uh, multiple wounds two. Yeah, uh, it's, there's see now. I'm assuming that those these are named characters, and I'm assuming that you can take them. Um, he may be included in any Kingdom of Bretonian army made using an army composition list that includes this option. He must be fielded as presented here. What is that option, though? That's what I don't understand. Like, Because it says he's regular infantry named character. I don't know where that falls under. This is where I got confused. I, looked at this, I don't know. She's a prophetess. She may be included in any kingdoms of Bretonian army made using an army composition list that includes this option. She must be fielded as presented here. What option? Monstrous cavalry named character. Like, I don't understand where the... Like, I haven't seen anything on any of these lists that say you can take... I mean, what is he? He's listed as Sir Cecile Gaston as regular infantry. He's, you know... uh, but all the, the um, all the here's list- what it is. Okay, what? Uh, so the Green Knight may be included in any Kingdom of Bretonian army using any ar- uh any army composition list. He must be fielded as presented here. You can take the Green Knight all the time. The Green okay. Knight is magical. He just shows up. He's cool. Okay. Sir Cecile Gaston is a Baron. He oh, may that's be included what I missed. In any oh, Kingdom that, okay. list. Oh my God. Okay, you know, and I read that like ten times, and I'm such a dumbhead. I'm like, okay, and I'm going, well, what's what's his right? I'm just saying it over and over again, like a stupid head. Okay, so yeah, okay. Someone's sh- screaming at the radio you know right now. I'm not even going to go edit this. I'm just going to let, you know what? I've let my stupidity out. I have replaced it with intelligence. I am the wiser for having this conversation. Thank you, son, for pointing out where I just totally don't know how to read. I mean, that is I know what city start. means. <laughs> I can't read. Wow, literacies for losers. All right, so the yeah, Green Knight goes anywhere. Cecile's a, a baron, so okay, and then she's a prophetess. a prophetess. So they can, oh yeah, so special characters now show they fill up that slot. It seems yeah, and I think this is this is a cool way to do this. Like here's a book that gives you an extra way to play, some extra cool stuff, extra this, extra that. Uh but you don't need this. Yeah. And I would prefer, honestly, I kind of like this whole idea of being given all the army lists for the forces of good, the mm-hmm. basic list. And it's like, okay, if you want to play this and you're interested, you can go get the fancier stuff. Yeah, here's your arcane journal or but whatever. But nothing in the arcane journal, like the special characters would be cool, but they're really made for... it is. Yeah, it is required to buy your army book for... Old Hammer or AOS. Right. 
it is not required to play this. Right, but you do have cool extra things. It is cool, and you probably do want because it, you can, but it is not required. You can, but what is cool, and what's it, where I would, I would disagree a bit, is even if I don't want to play the special armies or the special characters, there's special items in here. We, the last thing we haven't gone through is the Kingdom of Britonia magic items. The kingdoms, yeah, they have their own uh, list of magic items in this. Some of them are specific to um, the Exiles or the Errantry Crusade, but they've got their own cool weapons, like the Crusader's Lance. <laughs> Hatred of all enemies, furious charge, armor bane two, strength plus two, AP two. You can only use it on the charge, but dang. Um, the frontier axe. I kind of like the frontier axe. Thirty points, strength two plus two, AP three. Multiple wounds two requires two hands. Only in the exiles, exiles. because you wouldn't go up there using an axe, a frontier axe. That's not cool, right? But it is if you're living on the borders. Um, any of this other stuff stump out to you? Anointed armor is kind of interesting. If you have the Grail Vow and your infantry or cavalry, it's heavy armor, 45 points. If you have the Blessing of the Lady, you are immune to killing blow and multiple wound special rules. That's crazy. If you take an unsaned wound from an attack with either of those special rules, you just take a single wound. If you lose the blessing, you lose the anointing on the armor. That's 45 points. That's crazy. Now, if you are one of the... Um, if you're a exile, they have the... Okay, the Iron Spike Shield. Take a look at this. Read this. This I like. The Iron Spike Shield may only be taken by a model in the Vertonian Exiles of in Army of Infantry. Which, every time you see that, it's always because it's something that would not be considered noble fighting. The it Iron Spike Shield is a shield. Thank you to Games Workshop. Whenever an opponent well, rolls I mean, a natural one to hit or to wound the wielder of the Iron Spike Shield in combat, they immediately suffer a strength three hit with AP one. Ones to hit and ones to wound. That's that's tough. 20 points. I'm putting this on somebody. That's just cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And the lucky heirloom also and only in the exiles, but that's that's got an asterisk. So anyone can take it for 25 points once per round. The bearer of the lucky heirloom can reroll a single fail roll to hit to wound or reroll a failed armor save or ward save roll. Once per round. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean it's twenty five points. You probably got other places you could spend it, but it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a little expensive for twenty five. The Errantry Crusade can take the Crusaders Tapestry for forty points and get frenzy. <laughs> uh, for the Errantry Crusade, that's awesome. That's so. That's really funny. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what else? They're enchanted items. Uh, most of these are, once again, limited. Um, I do like, now, the Seal of Paravon for 35 points. This one is not limited to one of the new armies. I think you're going to see people, 35 points. Uh, hits on a three up, always. P3 
period. That's really awesome. That I need to stop saying that that things are awesome. I need a new word. Me That's too. really excellent. <laughs> Party on, dudes. Everything here's cool, top to bottom. T to B. Yeah, I I need a new adjective. Everyone, I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, there's they've got some really cool, uh, extra little bonus items and things like that in here. This is a cool supplement because you don't need it. But if you want to play that army, you definitely want to buy it. And I know I've already heard complaints. You were upstairs. We were watching it on the video. The guy's like, I got to bring three books. The big book, my forces book, or the revving hordes, and my army book. And I'm like, okay, first of all, the, the army book was that I saw was soft cover and it's like very thin. I mean, um, it's not long. Yeah. Um. I mean, then don't buy. You don't have to have it. Honestly, I don't know that I would pick. And I mean, I don't think your uncle would ever take an exiles list because then you can't pray to the lady. And he just would not like that at all. No, I don't think I would ever take an exiles list because I don't think I would ever not pray to the lady. I'm sorry. You're not going to pray to the lady of the lake? You can't. Come on. It's a lady out there handing out weaponry. That's like the basis of all (laughs) systems of government. How can you not pray to that? Well, hey, we don't pray to our government. (laughs) That's why. Not not until they start handing out magic swords out of lakes. Well, I guess you're right there. Um. But there are some cool things. I'll pray to can... anyone who hands me a magic sword out of a lake. There are cool things, though, that you can do if you choose that, and it's themey. It's very themey. But you know what else is really themey? The fact that you never get to go first at the beginning because of the game because you're too praying. busy. Yeah, that's themey too. Man, I don't know. I just the <sighs> fact that your own peasants running away just fully does not bother them. <laughs> Those losers. Great, now there's more room for us to run with our horses. Oh, I see running away, eh? Oh, Lord. Okay, listen, we got to take a break. We're going to come back and wrap this up, okay? Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them.
we're back. Okay. Is there anything that you want to say uh, or anything that in here that really stuck out to you? I know this. I know you. I mean, you're on the show. And for anybody who doesn't know, Harrison does not like coming on the show because he doesn't like hearing his own voice in the headphones. He doesn't like hearing his voice on the radio. Um, it's not great. It is not a fun time. Not going to lie. I'm totally but, used to it. We have these conversations anyway, so yeah, he's willing exactly. to help out because Chris is really busy right now, and that's fine. Um, when Chris is back, I'm certain we'll cover Tomb Kings next. I can fill in this particular gap, though, because, oh boy, howdy, are these Bretts neat and cool and awesome. And awesome. I'm, no, I'm going to... I'm picking a new one. Are you going to join Excellent. us? Are you going to join in on the Arcane Journal for the High Elves? Why would you ask me that? Why Why would you ask me that? Because I wanted to know the answer. I mean, which is why I generally ask any question. You already know the answer to that. What why is the answer? Why would you ask questions you already know the I'm answer I'm asking to? you because I want to hear it stated. Of course I'm going to be here for the High Elves. Okay, there we of go. Of course. Okay, good. All right. Offended, you would ask. And folks, thank you so much for uh, for tuning in, for listening. Um, thank you, Harrison, for backing me up here when uh, when Chris was really busy. And we'll be back uh, again. Thank the associate producers, Jake C, James Brown, Old Man Yeti, executive producer Scotty Mill, George Straton, Sir Killstake, the newest patron, James, no known last name. Thank you all for being part of the almost one percent who make this show. And everything we do on it possible. I also want to thank Six Squared Studios, Ragnard Games, and Chaos Orc Superstore. Until next time, folks. Ha-ha. Only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful will know no despair except in failure.